People light fags on fire all day long in the UK. Hello and welcome to episode number 144 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Friday, March 19th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the bullets may be flying, but nobody would even attempt to open a place called the Soup Nazi Kitchen. And from America's left coast, where we make Mozilla our bitch. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Yeah, what's going on in your little area there? Everett, Washington, no Soup Nazi for you. I, 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 I believe it or not, I didn't read much about that one, but I did have my wife come in and be like, I can't believe that they're doing this right now. Did this make like I, I knew it was big local news, but oh, tell me what you've heard from Chirac. Well, what I've heard was on uh, on the face bag where your wife posted it, and I thought it was hilarious. So it was all from the Everett Okay, news. so it, it made huge news because she posted it to the face bag. Yes, it's all because of your yeah. wife. She has spread the news far and wide. That's why well, my, I saw my, it. My understanding of what happened is uh, there has been a restaurant. This restaurant, I know I've, I've never been in there, but I've driven by it, uh, you know, 10 dozen times um because this is right down on broadway main drag through downtown and it, it, the restaurant is called the soup nazi nazi kitchen uh, I'm, i can't speak right now I'm, my excuse is i'm still missing a tooth when i get my tooth back by the way i'm gonna have to come up with a new excuse for why i can't talk right. but right now that's it um but the soup nazi kitchen now uh, anybody old enough to remember seinfeld which was a very successful and reasonably long running sitcom featuring Jerry Seinfeld uh, knows that they had a sketch about the soup Nazi. It, you know, for uh, several months after that one came out, I was, uh, you know, you couldn't walk around somebody without somewhere going no soup for you. Right. And it, it, I mean, it was, it was a good sketch. Somebody should go watch it. Well, obviously this restaurant was named after that, but now Nazi is just I apparently we we have to erase the entire term from our lexicon because somebody somewhere might get offended. It's just more wokeness. And and here on the left coast, I mean, we're pretty much ground zero of wokeness. So, (laughs) yeah, I want to know who is actually, though, being offended because there is a logo, too, which I thought was fantastic, which is a cartoon woman. I believe her name is Karen. (laughs) See, that's even better. Karen. Dressed in gray with a black ladle, just looking all menacing. So I think uh, I, I I have no idea I made it up, but I do know whoever has decided to become offended is a Karen. Well, yeah, I just don't get better. I mean, are we worried that we're offending the Nazis? I think is that how far we've gone? Because that would be the only person I think that could be offended in this case would be actual Nazis. But. I mean, hey, I mean, uh, no, no, diversity. there are plenty of people out there. You don't actually need a logical reason to be offended if you're woke enough. There are plenty of people out there who just go, you know what? I feel like being offended right now. Let's look around and see if there's something I can become offended by. It says that, Nazi. that I think is, uh, I think that's what's going on in their head. So 
anyway, the I, I feel bad for the the owner of this restaurant who obviously just decided, you know, they were like, I want to make a soup restaurant, and I really like Seinfeld for some reason. You know, some people are like that. I, I they're a little messed up in the head, but maybe I didn't <laughs> like Seinfeld as much as everyone else did. But the the sign in front of it had uh, effectively it had a the logo on it was a like a cartoon uh, Betty Page with an SS like uniform on it. So I think that might have been more than the name that might have been what. But the thing is, this this sign got vandalized several times in you know in the outrage and people coming in and and spraying over it or or kicking it over and uh the the thing that annoys me about the story is that they caved in and they are now changing the name of it they painted over the sign they erased the art which i mean i, I don't know I, I i like i cartoon women on the street corner so of course i'm disappointed but and also giving is, into the woke crowd is a terrible idea but the question is it was a new business anybody especially in that area had to know the sort of reaction this was going to get. So I wonder if this was just a really big publicity stunt to get everybody to know there is a new soup restaurant over on wherever this you, is. You know, I didn't think of that. And I really hope so because Although I don't genius. publicity. Yes. Publicity. Publicity. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I have to call you out sometimes or people berate me that it's gotten that bad. Sorry. That's this is the new woke order, like the Georgetown professor we talked about in the last one. One the guy on the call that just nodded his head he had to get fired because he didn't correct the person he was doing the uh, the call with. But this is interesting from the aspect of it's a brand new business and we all know brand new businesses need a lot of press in order to bring people in the door. And the question will just be, will this uh, help them or hurt them? The sign I couldn't tell it looked, even though it was printed up, it looked still kind of like a temporary sign, which would be something that was cheap enough to make that this maybe was the plan all along. And if so genius, and I hope their restaurant does well because a lot of restaurants have gone under during the pandemic and it's time for things to start hopefully getting back to normal, depending on who you believe. But the wokeness, there was another story. I don't have a link I don't think to the, it. The wokeness is going to take a very long time to get back to normal. Well, no, you the pretty much have an entire generation of ruined retards who need to grow the fuck up. And, and that takes time. And I don't know if I even have a link for this, but one of the stories over the last few days was the black woman in her 20s that was the editor for Teen Vogue, which is one of the most horrible publications in the world. Just the vulgar, crazy stuff that they posed for a teenage magazine. We've talked about that on Grumpy Old Ben's, I know, at some point. But the girl that was the editor, again, in her 20s, somebody found a tweet she made when she was like 17 complaining about her Asian TA, and she lost her job because of it. Again, stuff you post in high school. What? Like complaining because it was an Asian or I guess she was mad that he didn't grade her well. And she said, you know, was something like stupid Asian TA or, of course, the stupid Asian okay. TA. And that was enough to lose oh, yeah, her job well, now. I, <laughs> calling an asshole an asshole should not be dependent on what their their lineage is. So I, I don't know. I 
Yeah, it's it's kind of dumb to be like, yeah, my TA is stupid and Asian. Like right. combining those those two are not you necessarily connected, and combining them is kind of silly. But at the same time, canceling people is dumb too. Right. Well, it is. It's interesting though. Maybe she had more than one TA, which would make sense, and maybe only one was Asian. So if she's complaining to her friends, you know, on Twitter that oh yeah, the stupid, and you don't want to name the person because then they'll find you know that's the easiest way for somebody to find you bitching about them would be to use their name because people do search for their own name every now and then. So I can see where, yeah, the stupid Asian TA, but yeah, that's enough. Now it's enough to even sh- that you noticed that there was a difference in that. Pro- I mean, you can't mention gender. You better not mention ethnicity. You better not mention anything anymore because it'll get you canceled. And this is, I think a positive sign because this girl was obviously, if you're working for Teen Vogue, and she is black. So I'm guessing a fairly liberal person. When the liberal people start seeing that this is a cancer, this woke crap is a cancer, and going after people for stupid stuff they said anytime is bad, but going after somebody 12 years or whatever it was later for something they said in high school, I think even the crazy liberals are going to go, huh? There's a lot of people out there who are. Uh, generally have leftist politics, but are otherwise sane people. And I think that, that the, they're starting to turn the corner on the, the cancer that is wokeness. I think, you know, people are starting to come around to realizing that w- the church of woke has no, they have no doctrine of, of atonement. There is no appeasing them. They just demand and demand and will not be a, satisfied with anything but the complete destruction of all of their enemies and who their enemies are shifts from day to day and tends to be all inclusive and people even people who otherwise generally consider themselves on the left are starting to realize that this is incredibly destructive for our society and appeasing the woke is never going to work. It's not working for the big companies. It's not working for Coca-Cola. It's not working for it. The only thing you can do is stand up to the mob. And that takes backbone, the kind of thing that we have not really been instilling into our population for the last 20 years. But that's what it takes. And I think that you're you're finally going to see a bunch of people start to grow a pair and and standing up to the woke mob and and maybe this creates a new wave of cancellations but at, at some point the, the public in general the people who are not complete retards are going to have to figure out that we can't live like this well they're going to come after you for using the r word there's no question yeah bring it on the i've already got csb coming after <laughs> me what more do i need true he can take care of anything Yes. Now, the goalposts keep moving. And this is the interesting thing. We've talked about this with things from the past. And the logical thing, I think, to say would be, well, okay, even though this was bad, this was the norm for the verbiage people used, you know, 50 or 100 years ago. This shows you the massive problem this is because there's a lot of things being said today. That won't be okay if this continues down the path that it is in 10 years. So going after somebody, if you're, if everybody decides today, as idiotic as it is, that, you know, if you dare say the R word from now on, you're going to go to jail. Well, okay. You can only 
go from today. You can't go, but ha ha, we found this guy said it 10 years ago. So let's put him in jail. You can't do it. You can't retroactively go after people for things that were okay at the time that it happened. But, but, but that is in fact, exactly one of the, the tenets of the Marxist rebellion It is. is, is you go, you have to erase history. And how do you erase history? One of the best ways to do that is to judge history by today's standards and point out how terrible they were and how we're all better off. If we forget everything that happened before, especially all the times that communism completely failed and ended up destroying entire populations. No, you don't, don't look over there. Look over here. Cause we're righteous when we do it. That's the, uh, the problem, but it's going to be a fun thing to watch because it's good that people on the left are getting hit by this. That is what it t- I think was going to take. And I don't know if this woman is big enough down the food chain, but it shows that this is going to keep happening. And once the liberal wokest, the people they love, including as we've talked about here on the show, Martin Luther King Jr., I don't want them to go into all that. I think what the guy did in his life, most of it was really good. The fact that he might have done a few bad things and there's proof of that, I don't think matters. But if you're going to play the woke game, then somebody's going to have to pull that card at some point. And I don't I don't particularly know what the guy did or or care in a lot of cases, but I really like a lot of the things that he said. And uh, the the things that he said should not be invalidated because you can find one unpaid parking ticket or whatever in his past. Well, people evolve. I don't know if these how kids today when it comes to being in that junior high age, you know, maybe right before high school in that 10 to 14, you're learning how to say the words nobody wanted you to say and you think that's a cool you're like oh i'm breaking the law i can say fuck and hey what's what i'm gonna do with that with my friends because it's and a shocking never thing. quit yeah, that's this is absolutely true but i don't know if there's any white kids out there who didn't say the n-word at some point trying just to get a rise out of people and being like hey i'm bad i can use this word and that doesn't make them racist it might make them stupid but it doesn't make them racist but that's what you're going to be labeled as. No, obviously it's their skin color that makes them racist. Remember the less, this is, this is how critical race theory works. The less melatonin <laughs> you have, the more racist you are. It's been proven. Dr. Fauci science. Yes. So, uh, I got a, I've got one big tech story and I've got uh, a story of some fantastic schadenfreude. Ooh, schadenfreude. That I don't see. Are you the proper ethnicity to be using that word or is this cultural appropriations um, well i uh, my my first uh, on, on no agenda social uh i've already got uh uh csb saying listening live to two irish americans and uh I'm, I'm not going to dispute per se because my first name is irish which i guess is all the cred i need it is <laughs> and i've already but, told uh, csb that i'm about half Slovak and Irish and that, but I don't think he believes I, me. I, I'm a hundred percent American, and I I know there are people in my family who have traced lineage, but I don't. You know, so, so I have some ancestors who lived in Europe at the time, and I, I'm happy for them. They're not doing so well now because they're all dead. But uh, I, I'm alive and kicking, and on America's left coast, which is where I'm from. Um, but the. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say I am German enough to go ahead and be able to butcher that word. Okay, fair enough. See, and I like yeah. Irish whiskey and pierogi, so I'm, I'm good either way. 
I mean, sounds I good to me with pierogi actually sounds good I, right now. I ate Mexican last night and I don't even have any. It's Mexican in my blood that I'm aware of. Well, actually, I do right now. It's in my lower intestine, but that's a totally different thing. Um, so cultural appropriation to eat Mexican food, I guess. I think so. so me. Um, this is has to do with uh, we I, th- I believe we've discussed this before. There is an app called Tusky, which yes. is a Mastodon. I app. use it every day. Ah, well, then you're part of the problem. I know. I'm one of those hateful people. It's actually not a terrible app, but the thing that's terrible about it was that they, uh, uh, in June of 2019, they made big news because they had created a blacklist of Mastodon instances that would, the app would simply not, if if you tried to log in, you know, it's, it's a Mastodon app. And with Mastodon, you have to select which instance, which server you want to connect to. And as a starting point, and there were, they created a blacklist where they would not allow certain domains. Now, uh, they originally created it to be a flexible blacklist that they could add more to every single update. Uh, it, it turns out the only ones that were ever added were gab.com, gab.ai, and spinster.xyz. And, <laughs> yes. but if you try to log in, to one of those domains using the Tusky app, then the app rickrolls you. Which, uh, from uh, a perspective of uh, you know making a practical joke, I think is hilarious. Uh, from the perspective of writing an app that's supposed to be generic and used among, I mean, it's it's a really terrible move. Well, they, uh, you know. Th- they they did this a while back, and there's been a lot of people who don't like it for good reason. Um, there, one of the alternatives to it is uh, an app called Husky, which is they keep uh, they they had they just forked the code and they keep updating it, but they took out the the Rick rolling code. In fact, the the in the code the variable is called Rick roll domains. Yes, and so, I believe when this came out, I think it was Karma King over at No Agenda Social that showed that you could just go in and edit one text file in the app and it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it's a config file that they used to, well, uh, that was of course what, what they did back then. Uh, what's happening now is that, uh, Tusky has now been banned from the Google play store. Now, the reason has nothing to do with Rick rolling or blocking Gab. I'm sure Google would love that sort of thing. Uh, the reason, well, the reason given is that uh, it violates our terms of service, which is uh, doesn't mean anything at all. But uh, the, let's see, I had this. I mean, which part and, of the terms of service, I guess, is the question. Yeah, that's the, that's the trick, isn't it? Yeah. Because uh, this simply just connects to these other services there is no content whatsoever so the the only thing that was given by google was uh they linked to a part of their terms of service where they said uh apps that contain or feature user generated content must require that users accept the app's terms of use and or policy before users can update or upload ugc um i did i well first of all i don't i don't know that that was the problem but that's that's a horrible policy right there, but yeah, maybe it's a legal thing. I don't know. I just don't feel like an app store should be enforcing that shit. Well, uh, the, the interesting thing on that front is you can go to any of the instances that this can go to via any web browser. So they should shut down all web browsers, too. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That that's definitely one of the big arguments. Uh, the other thing that that Google pointed out is that apps should define objectionable content and behaviors in a way that compi- complies with Play's developer program policy and prohibit them in the app's terms of use or user policies. Which I think is a place where they got them. We've had this story before. Uh, Tusky allows you to access Mastodon and the Tusky terms of service. Neither the Tusky terms of service nor its code is capable of filtering out all of the horrible things in Mastodon that Google might find objectionable. And so they are canceling the app because it can be used to access real humanity. As any web browser can, as any email program can, as any newsreader can, as anything that goes onto the Internet can. You you freaking nailed it right there that if. Google, of course, you know, loves to pick winners and selectively enforce things. And and there are lots of people out there saying that Chrome should never be allowed in the in the app store for exactly the same thing. And of course, Google, they're in in their characteristic uh, public statement on the issue. They've said nothing at all. Um. So, yeah, the uh, the Tusky app has been pulled from the app store. We're not sure how long it's going to be out, if it's ever going to be come back. They don't have the big lobbying firm that that something like a Twitter app has. So um, it may be gone forever. Uh, I know. Didn't we, which app did this happen before with it? Was it was it Reddit? That, well, the parlor app. I mean, there were a, a parlor. Well, parlor was a big example, but uh, they they probably are never going to come back. So, if you want to get Tusky for some reason, um, you can still find it in the F Droid Store, which is one place that I particularly prefer over uh, Google Play. Although I've also seen uh, F Droid with public statements saying uh, we you know we are also woke we're just not going to censor as much so they they may end up coming back and screen right now they're the f droid blog tends to be a little bit uh wokest but at least they're not currently censoring things so i approve of that um but uh yeah tusky is uh i i don't know i recommend going out and getting husky anyway because it it just as as a stand, it says we don't like censorship. Uh, one of the exciting quotes uh, back in 2019, when they uh, pulled on, uh, when they talked about this, they said uh, uh, the the author said, uh, "When I build something, I alone get to decide what my labor enables and what it does not. So if you disagree with my choices, you're free to use a tool built by someone whose values better align with yours." So my comment to the author of Tusky is you are now free to use an app store whose values better align with yours. Yeah. But what does Husky actually do differently? Why is it allowed when it comes to Google or they just haven't figured out they're there yet? I, I don't know. I it, it, I don't know if it's in the Play Store or not, because like I said, I don't recommend the Play Store. I recommend that the only thing you should do with the Play Store on your phone is go install F-Droid or install any other there, there are a bunch. I, I keep talking about Afteroid, but there are a bunch of alternate app stores, and you should not be getting your apps from Google. There's, but you also then have to be careful as well, because some, I mean, Google has had a lot of problems, so I'm, I'm not going to say that anything you download from them is going to be free of viruses or malware, but it may be a little safer than random other places to get the apps from so just okay well if we're going to talk safety i'll go back to my other advice which is don't install ever install an app right or don't have a phone and that would be fine because people can live without phones 
That's I they, know it's that's a very drastic. I, I, there are a number of people that I'm not sure that's true anymore. <laughs> well, there's <laughs> we may have bred that out. There is an addiction in that. And there's a big problem with that as well, because one of the stories I had was a uh, a study. And this was from a uh, a little while ago. But stress and anxiety caused by phone use revealed in a new study that was done in Tel Aviv. And I don't know if this should be a surprise to anybody that people who don't consistently use their cell phones, who aren't on social media all day, have less stress and anxiety. I don't know why that should be a surprise to anybody. To me, this seems logical. I'm, I'm not I'm not seeing where this is news. Well, it's news because people are dumb. And they don't understand that. And they don't understand the effect that the device is having on them. I mean, there was some interesting stuff in here, including, you know, spending uh, a large amount of time on social media is likely to cause teeth grinding and muscle pain in your face. I mean, there's some, uh, uh, you know, sleep problems. Getting, Getting punched in the face repeatedly is like that, too. That'll happen if you actually go outside that. Yeah. uh, it also said studies found, or, or if you comment to the wrong person on social media. Well, but yeah, but then they can't actually punch you in the face unless they can track you down and find you, which is also getting easier and easier. Yeah, that's that's pretty easy these days. Fifty four percent of smartphone users wake up in the middle of the night compared to 20 percent of the ultra orthodox <laughs> okay. population that doesn't use the cell phones. And that's interesting. I mean, you can't say for sure that's the reason. But there's there's a difference. That's a major difference between these two groups. That's who they studied in uh, Israel was ultra orthodox Israelis and those who weren't. So there's a big thing. Again, this is a lot of guesswork going into it. But the way you live really has a huge effect upon your health and your sanity. And understanding that is the first step into knowing when you use the devices a little bit too much. When maybe you should try a digital detox. And if you're having any sorts of anxiety, it's like, just ignore this stuff. I mean, when the coronavirus first hit, there were people that were sitting on the news sites, hitting refresh, refresh, refresh. I want to see any new news. I want to know. No, don't. I mean, check out a little I, bit. It's okay. I, I Yeah, I get anxiety going to like when I, I sit here and go, oh, God, I have to go check a news site because I have to do research for this show. <laughs> It's like, not always I, fun. I, I have I finally reached a point where I I don't I don't read news because it just makes me happier. And yeah, okay, maybe I'm uninformed about some things. Cool. <laughs> and how much of the news really affects your daily life? That's the question. There is some when it comes to you just know taxes going up and crime in your area, but otherwise, yeah, the weather. You're right. <laughs> I do the, the, possibly the traffic if I have to go anywhere. That's about it. Do I need a uh, do I need a coat? Do I need an umbrella in Seattle? In that area, it's probably yes almost all the time. So you don't even you don't even need to pay attention. But the news is toxic. The devices are toxic. Being and connected twenty four seven toxic. I mean, this isn't the first this isn't the first study that's that's tried to combine uh, device usage and sleep patterns. I've seen uh, a couple of them already that. Uh, pull out the the obvious conclusion that uh shining a uh, bright bluish white light into your eyes right before going to bed makes it so you don't sleep as well right it's all uh the way your body reacts to certain and things I, 
I, I mean, if, if I might make one piece of advice for this and I'm not going to go out on a limb and give you something crazy, but I, it, I don't know. Maybe if you think this is crazy, you might already be hooked. Um, don't take your phone into your bedroom. Or the bathroom. Uh, my phone. Uh, yeah. Well, the, yeah. <laughs> That that's a good way to end up with with something smeared all over your phone. You don't want to be involved in. It. No, just you hygiene. Ugh. Yeah, but um, like when when I go to bed, my phone is on a different floor on this desk right in front of me, where it's got its charging stand and it's perfectly happy. And therefore, the constant stream of notifications that I get from No Agenda Social, because apparently we're getting popular. No, now everybody's. Well, there actually, there are a lot of people now who are I'm, I'm seeing more and more messages like, hey, they talked about on Grumpy Old Ben's this story and I've got this opinion about it. Like, hell yeah. I And I, I welcome that. Please keep doing that because I really like hearing other people's opinions. I know it sounds like I only like my own opinion, but that's it's just the strongest one in the room. I want others to. Um, but yeah, I think when and my phone can beep its ass off all night and I don't care because I'm not even in the same room. Uh, it can, I, I have no urge when I get up the first thing that, well, the first thing that hits me is usually the cat because she notices me moving around and starts punching Food. me in the face with her little paw, but yeah, they're hungry. They want you to yeah. feed them. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to keep a phone, what else am I good for? That's true. If you're going to keep your phone nearby, at least use the mode. Every phone has it that set automatically a do not disturb during the time that you should be sleeping. It's, that is a feature that should not have to exist. I know. But the problem is people will try texting you or something at four in the morning because they're up. And if that feature didn't exist, then your phone would go. Aah! Well, yours would anyway. And yeah, try, mine would <laughs> try to wake you up in the middle of the night. And that's no good. But there is an anxiety that people have. And you can see them when, well, you know, when you used to be able to go out into restaurants and that. The people that have their phone sitting in front of them, but then pick it up like every 30 seconds and like, look, and then put it down and then look like maybe somebody texted me. Oh, maybe I missed a notification. Oh, maybe I, oh, gee, maybe something's coming through. And oh, yeah. This, this, this story was 10 years ago, but we had, uh, amongst my coworkers, we had a rule if we went out to, uh, you know, we, we'd go as a group, be like, Hey, do you want to go lunch to this restaurant? Something. It was kind of fun. You know, back when we were allowed to use restaurants without having to wear a goddamn diaper every time we stand up. But, um, we had a rule that no phones on the table and it, it just stays in your pocket. And if you, if you get a notification, then we usually let it slide if someone glance at it. Cause there's sometimes like a meeting or something, but, uh, it, it was simply, uh, if we're eating, we don't want to see each other's phones done. And it's amazing just how much of an improvement, even if you're totally addicted to the notifications, it's amazing how much better your conversation is and how much your attention, if your phone is in your pocket, instead of just sitting on the table, like even if it's sitting on the table, not doing anything, you keep glancing over and thinking, well, I wonder what it's thinking now. (laughs) Uh, If it's in your pocket, it's a lot harder to. And, and, you know, of course, I was the one who, if if possible, I'd left my phone in my office because I don't I didn't want notification. I didn't like people send me email. I'm like, I'm at lunch. I'll get it when I get back. But but of course, you know, not everybody was like that. The thing is, that was 10 years ago. And notifications today, I I, I feel like everything about that has got worse. Just people being notified by every single app, people being told about this and that and social media, you know, back 
10 years ago, at least we were allowed to talk to people in person. Now we can't even do that. The only human interaction we get is through these devices. It, it's destroying our minds. And don't forget now the watches. So even if you leave your phone out of sight, well, now your watch could bother you with a notification. But you hit on it right there with all of the programs, all of the apps that give notifications. I don't know if a lot of people realize you can go into the settings as well, because every app that you install wants your attention. It thrives on your attention. It's the boyfriend oh, yeah. or girlfriend you never wanted because they're the, the most important settings page you can possibly find is the one that lets you turn off notifications from certain apps. Right. I mean, do you like, really need the weather notifications? I mean, if there's uh, a tornado, okay, then tell I me there's one coming. But I downloaded a QR code scanner. And the first thing that it did, I had it in my pocket and then it starts throwing me notifications while the app isn't even running saying we noticed or we spotted a QR code and here's the dec-. I'm like, I wasn't t- pointing my phone at anything. What is going on? <laughs> What's in your pocket? I, ended up, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it found a QR code in the pattern of dots on the inside of my jacket pocket or something, but I'm sitting here. What is a QR code scanner doing sending notifications? I ended up uninstalling that one. I was like, no, I need one that's only exists. Like, I, I don't know what it's doing, but stop using my CPU and memory when I'm not trying to scan QR codes. I will launch the app. I am willing to put forth that much effort. You do not need to be using my camera and scanning everything. That was creepy. Yeah. Apps that are doing things that you don't know they're doing. Definitely creepy. And it happens with a lot of apps because that's usually how they're making their money. If it's a free app. And I was always uh, a guy like sending tracking data of every single QR code you walk by. Right. You're like, oh, he walked by. I, You know what? That could be an advertising model where the storefronts now could put up a. I mean, I don't think it's a QR code, but you put up something that's detectable only by the phone. And that is, in fact, a model where they now, you know, the phone apps send up to the cloud. Hey, we noticed this code and then they tie it and they're like, "Okay, this person walked into this store. That's marketing data. It's a lot of marketing data and it makes sense. It's I always when the smartphones first came out, it was always like, hey, it's great. There are all these apps. You can do stuff for free. You never have to pay for an app. And then once you realize why that is, you're like, let me find the paid version of an app because then, yeah, yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot less likely. Or if it does, then, you know, that's not one you buy. Yeah, if, if you've got an app that you're going to use all the time, it, it, it everything about it gets better. If you just send the developer of that, that app a few bucks, uh, if possible, get the one that doesn't track you, that doesn't have ads. Uh, if, if it's an app that you, you know, you have a contact information for the developer and, and they don't have a, a paid, no app, no tracking version, then, uh, uh go ahead and, you know, you I like here, I'm going to send you a $10 donation. Is there any chance I can get a build of your app that doesn't send the tracking? And some of the developers, especially if it's a small private one, would be like, yeah, I get that. I mean, you know, why why do you do ads? Well, I do ads because otherwise I get no money at all. Because people well, like here. free. <laughs> yeah. Here's 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 10 bucks. You know, can I can I get a better version of your app? A lot of developers will do that. Now, if it's a big corporate one, maybe not. Yeah, it's but a little harder to get there, but the value it, it for value hurt. thing is catching on. Yeah, I, I, I like that part. It is. And uh, I it was interested watching, and we talked about that in the last episode, the Reverend Horton Heat selling his MP3s on Rarible. 
and a few of them sold. But yeah, that gas price, you know, when the MP3 comes out to be in like 120, 130 bucks, that's a harder thing to be able to sell people on. But I was intrigued also. Another band I like, the Dropkick Murphys, the Irish Boys out of Boston, that, of course, everybody's been under the pandemic. So bands have really been hurt. And they did two free concerts over the last year where they were raising money for various charities. And they raised over the last two concerts, I think the geese said about $750,000, which is pretty damn good for a couple of live streams. They did one on St. Patrick's Day. They did have yeah, a sponsor. I wouldn't turn that down. No, I would. I'd be like, that's a pretty good deal. They had sponsorship from some software company uh, called Pega and from uh Death Wish Coffee, which I think I need to try some Death Wish Coffee. That sounds like something that could be. I kind of need to try that just for the name. Yes, for uh, I mean that's the coffee to drink during Grumpy Old Ben's. I think Death Wish. Then again, I'm I'm the kind of person who would eat at a soup Nazi kitchen just <laughs> just once. I'm right. not even a huge soup person, but but you like the name. I, I get it. But I like the name. And they were sponsors, and they mentioned the sponsors a couple of times, but nothing more. And they ran a couple of spots with some puppet characters because really. What better than a couple of puppet characters like, hey, the band hasn't been out on a road for a year. So pitch in something. And they had a QR code, obviously, uh, to take people to a page uh, on the Dropkick Murphy's website where you could kick in a buck, five bucks, a thousand bucks, whatever you wanted to do. And I'm like, holy crap, value for value is coming to yeah, guys. That, they might not be calling it that, but that's the value for value model. Yes, we're doing this two hour long concert. And if you got some value and you want to help the band out, send some money back their way. And I think this is a thing that's going to keep going on long beyond the pandemic. And it's great for artists. It's great for people that create entertainment that can be beamed over the internet. And uh, it's interesting to watch how this stuff has evolved. You know, Adam Curry uh, from no agenda. He, he is credited uh, not as often as he should be considering the, the rewriting of history, but he is credited with inventing podcasting. And that's kind of one of his big claims to fame for people who don't realize that he does amazing things like the no agenda show and, and podcasting 2.0. But uh, I think that uh, podcasting is in a, is a great invention. And I'm very happy that, that he did it because it allows us to do things like this show. But I think that, uh, the much more important invention that he made with, with his co-host John C. Dvorak was the value for value model. It was the model that gets away from, from corporate sponsorships and it, it, it decentralizes patronage. It, it makes it so that it brings back the idea that we don't need to interact through large organizations in order to fund the arts in order to fund things uh things we like that everybody can just put in like you know it was it was an impediment early on when you said okay well i need you know 25 bucks from everybody in order to view this movie and right uh, that's that's perfectly fine for somebody who makes seven hundred thousand a year they're like i'll throw in why not right that's not equity though that's not equality but some people, that's a lot of money. Some people, $10 is a lot of money. Some people, $5 is a lot of money, but it's, it's what, what did you get? What can you afford? What I, I don't know. It, it just, it occurred to me just now that uh, Adam Curry is, is an inventor of, of podcasting and that's great. And it's, it's a really, I mean, it's it definitely caught on, 
But I think value for value in the long run is going to be much more world changing. Well, and streaming value is coming along now as well, which that was being tested with the podcast where you could set it up in your player that for every minute you listen to, it sends a very small amount of crypto. I mean, sometimes portions of a cent over to the person you're listening to, and that can be split amongst many different people, including the people that wrote the apps and whoever else is involved. I do think this will revolutionize the music business. And Adam Curry said it's coming when I posted that on Twitter. So there's something being worked on. The artist that can throw their music up on a streaming site right now, if you're a small artist and your music is up on Spotify and somebody plays it a hundred times, you're not getting anything because you're too small. And if you have a service where it tracks and you get up, you know, a small percentage every time somebody listens to your tunes, it makes the record labels way less important. It makes and, and Spotify plus. was was one of the big things that that podcasting 2.0 was responding to is Spotify is one of those huge gatekeepers. And the one of the reasons why you're not going to get squat if if your stuff is played 100 times is because Spotify for every dollar that something makes, which, by the way, 100, you know, each play is a couple fractions of a cent on Spotify. I feel like you know, value for value. I think if people were were choosing their own value, then a lot of plays would be worth more than that. But that's, you know, that's up to the individual listener. But the thing is, Spotify keeps like 97 percent of that for themselves. Right. Well, and, yeah. And yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I understand the argument that they deserve a cut from uh for putting up the infrastructure and, and collecting the, but they don't deserve that much. They don't deserve all of it. It's like Spotify would be nothing if the artists weren't doing something and they're screwing over their artists. Like here, you can have a few pennies and we're going to make billions. And that is one of the things that podcasting 2.0 was created to respond to was this value is flowing. And even if the amount of value is never changed from the, Spotify defaults of a few fractions of a cent per play. Let's get more of that to go to the people who are actually creating the content. Right. I mean, we can create a music streaming service and then the files that are being streamed, MP3s, whatever they are, the artist gives them to you and you set the percentage. Okay. Maybe the artists get 90% and we get 10% because, you know, there is upkeep and all that on the website, but you come up with a fair split well, the, on that and it just the, works. The, the the split the the default split that they keep talking about with the podcast 2.0 is is podcast index gets 1%. Right, and well they're not the hosting app, any of the stuff. And, and the app gets 1%. Yes, which is 98% goes to the artist. Yeah, which is beautiful. That's, yeah, I think that that is a more equitable split. And even if, you know 90%, 95%, 98 that going to the artist, that is what needs to happen if if your goal is actually, you know, the original goal for copyrights, which is to promote the useful arts to to promote people creating awesome stuff. If that's what you want to do, you have to get the money to the people creating awesome stuff. And we've kind of been brainwashed since the 1950s with the idea that, well, obviously the ones who should get the lion's share are the, the suits and businessmen. And no, that's not, that's how record companies work, but they're not the gatekeepers anymore. Uh, you go listen to Rhino, the bearded show, who by the way is going to be on the no agenda stream in a few hours from now. Um, he plays nothing but creative commons, uh, released 
public music that has been put out under, you know, under creative commons licenses. Sometimes it's, it's non-derivative. Sometimes it's, it's non-commercial, but it's all, please play this. And none of it is corporate control and none of it is released under the standard all rights reserved. And you can only play this if you pay your VIG to the you know, ASPCA or whatever. Uh, ASCAP, sorry, not, yeah, yeah. not the per- Society for Prevention of Cruelty at Animals, but you might have to pay them too. I'm not sure. Yeah, they I always, they always get a cut. I mean, the problem yeah. with those stuff Rhino plays is I've heard cover tunes on his show, which those are never creative comments because you can't just sing a song by somebody he, else and go. He actually tries to avoid those for that reason. Yes, because, well, this is the problem when people can list it as anything. So for people that rely on that, that's rough. And back in the day, the, Rhino is a big proponent of CC and yes. and you can you can argue that the quality of the music on there isn't good but uh he actually avoids cover tunes he'll he'll play them one off if they're really popular but uh you know kind of like you will but he uh he very much wants the original music and uh if you just want music that you would never ever ever encounter on terrestrial radio or or from in any record shop um Rhino the Bearded has a great show. The business before the internet was totally different because if anybody was ever going to hear your music, it had to be on a CD, on a cassette, on a vinyl record. It had to be on something that they could sell or something that the radio station could play. And that was why the record labels were the gatekeepers, because in order to get that stuff done, in order to get that press, there was money involved. And it wasn't a small amount of money where it is now. I mean, anybody can make their music and put out a CD for cents. You know, a, a lot of the copyright industries came up because it was expensive to manufacture some the physical media that something was distributed on. And when when it costs, you know, two million dollars to get the only record press machine in this county, um, then you could control that when it when it cost it costs a ton to manufacture CDs. Uh, you know, nowadays, even physical formats, uh, a lot of them, like when, when you press a DVD, you just, just the act of pressing it, the, the legal requirements, you have to pay a ton of money off to the uh, MPAA or whoever you know, the, the licensing just in terms of royalties. Cause that's part of the format, but digital distribution distribution, has none of these shortcomings and the the original gatekeepers don't have the power of being the only ones who can distribute it anymore the only reason why they're still the gatekeeper is pure inertia and did you know that it's called ass cap because if you don't pay them you get your ass cap <laughs> i believe that that's what sir matt says anyway of maps with matt <laughs> and it sounds about yeah. right but you, See, he, if if only that guy did his own podcast, he he has such a great wit. He is just as clever and as charming as he thinks he is. The record business, you also have to understand the amount of money that went into, okay, we're we're signing your band and we're going to put your record out. Well, they're making thousands of records. And if nobody buys those, they've still made thousands of records. There was a big cost to that. The digital world has changed that. You can record a song and have it on one of these streaming services within minutes. So 
You don't need sure. to put anything onto a physical format. Things should have already drastically changed in and the music business, except that the labels don't because, want it yeah, to. Because, of course, the, the record labels have, have taken the savings of not having to press unnecessary, the, the savings of not having to manufacture unnecessary things. They pass that on to the artist and the customer, right? The smart artists at this point aren't going for major labels. The only way you go for major labels is if, if you've already gotten enough interest where the labels will actually give you a halfway decent deal and you just don't want to do the work because there's no reason in this new world. Even if you don't want to do the work, go find somebody that you trust to be your agent and have that person do the work. And you're still going to get a far better deal than signing on with a big label. Yeah. That used to just be what you were getting with the record label was the advertising dollar, the media that they would be able and to give even you. Even that is not nearly as useful anymore. Nope. It's not. Because, uh, not, not least because the advertising industry has gone to crap, but because people are listening, it's still weird to me that a majority of people listen to music on YouTube. It's not any of the other streaming services. The last I checked, YouTube was the number one place. Well, Spotify. No, I think YouTube actually had more music plays than Spotify, which. Yeah, but I think Spotify certainly has enough market. They have enough market that they think they can get into podcasting. Well, yeah, which how did that work for Joe Rogan? All of a sudden, I've noticed on YouTube because I was subscribed to his channel and for a while there was nothing coming out. Now there's like six Rogan clips a day coming out trying to get you to watch the clip to get you interested in the show. You you knew that was appearing approaching the end of of the experiment when Michelle Obama ended up getting pushed out to other distribution channels. Yes, I mean I know it. I mean it's great that we have this a monopoly on this that we have the sole rights to play this. But you know, in order for more people to hear it, we want to put no. That just means it's not making money for you, and uh, that's the way the system works. Because people don't want to be inconvenienced. There were a lot of people, as we predicted here, that really liked Joe Rogan when it was easy to get his show in their favorite podcast app or on YouTube. When that changed, they did not follow him because there's other choices. Again, this is how hard is it to get the content? Joe, your content wasn't that good, unfortunately, that people just think- went, oh, I can go listen to Grumpy Old Benz or I can go listen to whatever. Rather than I, I think the latest stat I heard from podcast index is there's about 1.4 million podcasts out there. And no, they're not all Joe Rogan, but enough of them are that if Joe Rogan goes behind a paywall, that there are going to be a lot of people go, OK, well, what other shows are, are there that are worth listening to? And by the way, uh, I can recommend a bunch of them because they're on the no agenda stream. You're like, wait, Bill Benz is one of those. There are other people doing podcasts. Yeah. yeah. When I was looking at the there are a lot of people doing podcasts who really, really shouldn't be yeah, cold acid. Um, but, but Sturgeon's law applies, of course. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. And I have to say the guys over at Grimerica, I like those guys. They figured it out, though, when it comes to the Bembrose system. Uh-oh. I officially want to rename our Monday shows Grumpy Old Ben's Monday. So that way. It'll stay on the stream all week. And then Friday will also be on the stream at the same time. Oh, oh, I see what you're doing here. Yeah. It's a different podcast. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's why, like Grimerica shows are any different, but you name them differently. And it's like, oh, wait, they're putting out twice. No, they're not. It's just uh, a different show. Okay. Are, so are you referring to a, 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 an interesting characteristic, which Grimerica, they ended up putting out. And I think I talked about this before. They put out a, uh, 
a stream called uh, Grimerica Outlawed, right. uh, I believe it was called. And they ended up, uh, the, the reason that they did this is because at some point, you know, they talk about the, the COVID stuff and they talk about uh, a number of, you know, some, some woke things. They talk about the kind of things that will probably end up getting Grimerica uh, deplatformed at some point or canceled. And so they took all of the really controversial cancelable stuff and put it into a completely new feed with a new podcast. And uh, that's the reason that they did that. But my system is based entirely on the RSS feed and they created a new RSS feed for their other show, even though it's kind of the same show. And the result was it ended up taking two slots on the no agenda stream. Is that what you're getting at? It's genius. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Those guys are smart, man. It's an exploit. That I wasn't going to advertise smart dudes. Yeah. That's, we should just call grumpy old Ben's. We will soon be the platform. That should be like the parenthetical title. Yeah. Yeah, we we should, you know, we should take all of the stuff that's going to get us deplatformed and put it into one feed and then we can call that feed grumpy old Benz and then we can claim to have already done it because we have. If we if we removed all the things that can get us deplatformed from grumpy old Benz, it would be a 30 second show. Yeah. Even the we, music still might still be on episode 5. Yeah, the music still might get us. Yeah, just Fletcher screaming grumpy old Benz might be enough. Oh, Fletcher will get anyone deplatformed. Yeah, that's his that is his magical power. There's no question about that. And I know I keep hearing Bill O'Reilly say that now. So I know where I got it. <laughs> so th- this, I, I don't want to get too far into this, but I do have a, a follow up to a story we've already covered twice before, which is why I don't want to get too much into it. Uh, but I just love this. Uh, the RTX 3060 from NVIDIA, the, the big controversy that, oh God, they're blocking Ethereum mining. Right. Um, I, I just really liked this story that, um, apparently one of their beta drivers that they released to developers, uh, and in particular, they released it in, in the channel that allows developers to test the Windows subsystem for Linux, um, didn't have the Ethereum block on it, which means that you go out, they, and you can't do this now because NVIDIA has since confirmed that the release was accidental and removed the driver from their page. Ooh, but I'm but sure plenty of people have, yeah, have, have downloaded and put it out there. And if you can find this particular driver, then you can do full speed Ethereum mining on the RTX 3060. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I still say the only people screwed here are the gamers who want to mine a bit of Ethereum while they're not doing anything and these better cards i mean i I still say that the the better way to try to separate those is you release the mining cards with no video port and you put enough of them out there at at a a, you know slightly lower price point or whatever whatever give them some incentive and you release those and the miners will eat them up because the miners are perfectly happy doing that. And if they can save 10 bucks on the cost of the card, great. And then all of the ones that you release that do have video ports are for the gamers and they're happy too. That's the right solution. If you can get the, the supply chain and the balance, correct? Well, yeah, because the gamers, they should be able to make a little, I mean, mud pig said like he's making seven bucks a day on his machine when he's not home. That thing just sits there mining. And I know you have some electric costs, but that adds up. Seven bucks a day is not a bad return on the video cards, especially when you're spending hundreds, if not up to a thousand plus on some of the top video cards. It's a nice way to you know get a little bit of that paid off again. But I digress. This technology thing, man, 
trying to block people from using the full abilities of a hardware device with software will never stand. We've learned this over and over again. There's a lot of devices that well, can tell that tale. It, it, you're, you're, the digital medium, the, it, it exists. The, there is no move operation in the digital world. Every, every move operation, every operation that says we're going to take it from here and move it here. All of the things that we grew up with, at least, you know, if we're older, we grew up with in, in an analog world where if you manufacture something and you give it to somebody else, then you don't have it anymore. And that just doesn't exist in the digital world where there is no move. It's all, you can only emulate move with copy and then delete, but everything is a copy. And it, it means that if something gets out there, it will be copied. If it, if enough people are interested and then it's out, you, you can't delete anything from the digital world. No, that's why when something hits the internet, you know, in the old days, if you took a nude photo of your girlfriend, well, you had that. If it was a Polaroid, say, that was the only copy. When it's digital, you share that with anybody, it's, it's going to propagate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it always makes me laugh a little bit whenever any social network is comes up with, uh, yeah, even, even Mastodon, where they, they say, you know, this post is, is private only, or this post is only visible to people who follow you. Like, I, I does, do you think that that saves you? Right. Well, like the websites that used to try, and there's still some out there where if you try right clicking, it doesn't work. Like, you know, you can't bypass that. Yeah. Yeah. F12 is my magic key that says, yes, I can. Yes. You open up and look at the code. It'll take you right to the link for the image, and then you can download it and do whatever you would like. And I, I, yeah, I had somebody uh, the other day, uh, Moose on, on, uh, who I believe is from Alaska somewhere, I guess, uh, posted a link saying uh does anybody have the direct stream link to this radio station and the link was to one of those radio station pages which is all javascript and it has and it has a a play a, a player in there that just pulls up uh, an internet radio station and right. then the player itself uh inserts ads and you know, runs a bunch of scripts and and he just wanted a direct stream presumably so he could listen to it in in a different app or something so i pulled it up and First of all, I noticed that, of course, they disabled right clicking and they uh, have, you know, trying to interact with it. The only thing you could do is interact with the buttons. And there was no, uh, you know, the ads I noticed the way they were implementing the ads was the, the, obviously the radio station had ads, but the player also would interrupt the, the stream to play in a 15 second ad and then go right back to the music, which clearly didn't. So, like, okay, they didn't stop at the same time. Yeah. No, the music didn't pause or anything. It just, yeah, 15 seconds later in the song. So pulled open the webpage and, uh, ended up, yeah, okay, well, gee, I dig in. Okay. Here's a M3U link. Here's a, and I ended up going maybe two layers deep into the source code and, oh, it's a direct link to uh, an internet stream, same as the no agenda stream or the rare encounter stream or, uh, or hog story stream. Yeah. So I ended up posting that. He's like, that's great. And then about three other people, including my brother, started listening to this radio station out of Kenai, Alaska. I thought it was pretty good. I, I started listening to it because, frankly, radio stations in Seattle are all crap by now. Uh, <laughs> I, I, even if you put aside the, the woke DJs and the pussy music, 
Um, they have an ad for every song here in Seattle. This station was an ad break every two hours and uh, playing real music. Yeah, I heard that. I thought your boom arm was coming down on you. No, no, I just have a cat knocking things over on my desk. I would like to know if anybody has. I'm going to try the Winston device on my Roku, but the ads on YouTube on Roku. And I understand Roku sucks. Great. I have one. I'm trying to block the ads on YouTube. It's going through the router with the pie hole, but it's still playing ads and ads and ads. And it just is the reason, as we've talked about in the past, I'm like, I know there's easy ways to just download YouTube videos. So, you know, rather than I mean, watch- if you could put if you could put you block origin on your Roku, that would solve the problem. You have to see if there's any. I doubt you can. I mean, those things are pretty locked down. No, but if you got something that can load one of the block lists, that's or or load the block list into your pie hole. I bet would work. I thought I, I thought it was about to double check that if there's more to because there the pie hole has like eight or nine different block lists and. uh if that would work, that would be good because otherwise I understand the piracy concept because rather than watching a 15 minute modern rogue, you know, Brian Brushwood, rather than it stopping three times for ads, I would rather just set up a script to download your shows onto my NAS where I could watch them. Yeah. I got to admit, I, it, when people post videos now, because I still see them on NAS or somewhere, when people post videos to me, uh, one of the first things that I do, well, one of the first things I try to do is see if any of the NVIDIA instances are still up. But those YouTube, Google's getting pretty good at, at blocking them, playing whack-a-mole on those. So they're not always available. But I will grab the video title and see if it's been mirrored to Rumble or BitChute or one of the other hosting services, simply because YouTube... The entire experience of going to YouTube, even with an ad blocker, has just become bad. Yeah, well, it's not great. It, on the desktop, at least I don't get ads. So the ad blockers in the browsers are doing a better job than the pie hole by itself, I guess, when it comes to the Roku getting on it. And as we talked about, I tried setting up YouTube on the other device that I have, which is a Raspberry Pi running Cody. But to run YouTube on Cody, you have to get an API key and register as, you know, a developer, which I guess I could jump through all those hoops. If that would take care of the ads, that maybe is the the way I need to do it. Because it's that's, just, that's why scraping software like YouTube DL is the way to go, which is why it's so popular. It's not because people don't want to play fairly. It's because it's way too damn annoying when you're watching a short form video and it gets interrupted multiple times like with the music i mean at least it pauses the content but it's usually yeah. in the minute like middle of a sentence and it's like that just is no that's sucks. I, and, and, and i have sympathy for every single youtube author out there who comes up with the you know please like and subscribe because that's the only way that i can get paid i'm like then your business model is crap because I, i'm not going to participate in the youtube machine and and enrich youtube by 97 cents for every three cents you get i'm just not going to do that it's it's bad go find another site and then find go on the value for value model and you know what i will i will consider donating to somebody who says hey you get some value out of this please send us some way sooner than i will give to someone who says like and subscribe that 
anybody who says like and subscribe, I you no. Know, now your video has lost a lot of its its credit. But wait, you got to bring us up the list so more people can get recommended our videos because they're really really good. Smash! That I watched button. a re- I watched it. a really great review the other day of the the DBX channel strip that you're using, and yeah. uh, the the guy really knew what he was talking about, and he he. It was a lot of really great information. And then he said, like, and subscribe. And I'm like, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> that was, you know, it's an older video. <laughs> that was back before YouTube was bad. And I, oh, kind I of, see. I've kind of gotten rid of the whole concept of caring about YouTube subscribers. And, and, and for, for people not in on the joke, this, this, the video. And by the way, if you want to know about things like channel strips, Darren was the one who did the review and it was good, but that is the review that but I looked Larry. at this and I'm like, to us and, and i'm sitting here going god damn it darren like and subscribe what are you some kind of youtuber yes way back before i was a grumpy old ben i posted some reviews on that was again the heyday before amazon screwed every one of the people buying things out there by killing the system where reviewers used to be able to get stuff for free and if you go through my reviews that I did, there's plenty of them that tell you the product is absolute crap. I don't buy into the concept and never will that oh, people are getting stuff for free. So, of course, they're going to give it a good review. No. See, if I get a pair of headphones for free and they're awesome, I'll tell you they're awesome. If I get a pair of headphones that really suck, I'm not going to tell you they're great because who cares if that company stops sending me stuff? They make garbage. <laughs> I don't get but, what- but here's the question. Would you send them back? They never asked for them back. But yeah, I mean, if they <laughs> if they sent, you know, if they wanted to send a, uh, you know, a label to get the thing back, that would be fine. But nobody or, ever wanted. Or here's the next question. Would you send them out to Grumpy Old Ben's listeners? Who, sure. Who asked nicely or or donated or just, you know, said snarky comments in the troll room? You know, I should go through those because, I mean, there's a bunch. I mean, now they're at least probably two to three years old, but there is a bunch of bluetooth headphones that i probably wore for about uh, a half hour to an hour to test them out and then they just went back into a box so there's there's some of them down in the uh, in the basement i really do need to go through and weed some of that stuff out and uh, i mean they could be they could be collector's items that would be good like old bluetooth headphones we got weird stuff really any of the stuff they yeah they did usb dongles oh I had so many lightning cables back in the day. The oh, sure, and and I bet those are collectors' items. Well, you can still use them on something. I mean, my <laughs> the uh, iPad Pro that I've got still uses the lightning cable. The iPhone I just got still uses the lightning cable. I think. Although I've got I, a couple Ethernet patch cables that would probably be real popular. Oh, I, we have to have Ethernet patch cables because I mean, if you're looking at what's right USB behind my charging desk, wall warts. Oh, dude, I got so <laughs> many of those and so many of the USB. Uh, the like the charging thing i've got one sitting next to me that has i think it's 10 usbs things sticking out of it to charge usb devices uh so many battery backups i mean i could go if the power ever went out i could probably go for a month without needing power to keep the phones going because there's just a bunch of batteries sitting around that you never really use and uh, so they're good devices though to have one of the biggest travesties, we always talk about uh, monoculture in the browser market and how uh, Google is over controlling with regards to web browsers in general. And if you don't like Chrome 
and you're not going to get one of the the alternate alt chromes the, of which there are a lot we we re- we recommend on this show uh the ungoo chromium we recommend brave a couple others um we we recommend edge to anybody we don't like but if you don't want chrome what's your only alternative it's firefox right well it's one well, of them it, it, it i mean it's pretty close to the only other engine that that's still yeah being, well, if you're trying to avoid the whole chrome engine then yes firefox seems well, to be the last one mozilla is making it harder and harder <laughs> mozilla as a as an organization has started to go full woke and it's making it really hard to like firefox these days uh the big one lately and i don't know if you've heard this one is uh they have created Mo- mozilla themselves created a bitch to boss extension are you familiar with this story <laughs> no bitch to boss i mean is this uh, like a, a bitch meaning like complain or just like a woman they don't like and uh no it's it's so they are they are talking about sexism on the internet and how they are going to prevent sexism on the internet by using firefox to write rewrite now uh, this idea <laughs> i first saw close to 10 years ago Wait, when there's, there's, somebody <laughs> They're actually huh? changing the word bitch to boss. Yes. Somebody on uh, on the no agenda in the no agenda community, somebody created the no agenda Gitmo filter, which rewrites a number of things to say, uh, like if, if, if any any text from a Web page that says United States, it would say Gitmo Nation West. And there there was it was actually a pretty large filter that changed a lot of things. And that was the first I heard of this concept. Uh, it was great. I used it for a very long time. It was hilarious when uh, you know it changed. Uh, if somebody said climate change, it changed to so-called climate change. It, it was great. But. This is the same thing, but not nearly as sophisticated and not nearly as big of a uh, a list. It changes uh bitch, slut, and nasty woman to read boss. So anywhere on the web that somebody says, you know, shut up, bitch, Firefox will change it if you have this extension to shut up, boss. And the description of the plugin says, a person's gender, age, race, or sexual orientation shouldn't determine their access opportunities or quality of experience online. And yet here we are. Bitch to boss. Fine. And by the way, they don't say bitch in the name of the, the, the name of it is B exclamation point TCH space two space boss. This isn't something that Mozilla put out themselves, right? This is just a third party is wow is. So uh, Bitch to Boss finds and replaces all instances of derogatory words like bitch, slut, nasty woman to read boss across the web. Will this solve harassment online? No. Will it make comment sections, unsolicited DMs and angry replies just a little bit funnier? Hopefully. Now, you just got to the the root of why I think this is a thing is is a concern. And that is if a third party uh, did it, if I did it, if you did it, if, if Progo went out and wrote this extension and published it to the Firefox add-on store, that would be fine. It would be hilarious. I'd, I'd probably look at it and be like that, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I don't necessarily like the woke language in the description or, or how they're uh, talking about the reason for the, you know, the reason for this should be because it's fucking hilarious, not because uh, of gender discrimination online or whatever. Right. But fine. If a third party did this, but this was Mozilla who did it. 
And that in itself is a problem because it, it's kind of an endorsement, but they went a step beyond that. Um, I read about this. In fact, the, the link in the show that I have in my show notes is from blog.mozilla.org slash Firefox. So they put it on the official Firefox blog, which is definitely not something that, that uh, an extension from me or from Progo or from you is going to get. Uh, so they are already highlighting it as if it's an official plugin from Firefox. And then they put it on their recommended extensions list, ah. which shows up on Mozilla.org. Okay, fine. But it also pops up in the browser as we think this extension is good for you in a pop-up window on top of your browser. That's going too far. Well, it is because it's only one small step before this is the default in the browser, which, you know, that's coming. And using a word like boss as what you're replacing the other words with is stupid because it's an actual word that people use. And this will now, unless the word is somehow being highlighted, you are losing context on things, which is not good. Well, this is also, I'm sorry, but I'm just like, what if you have a female boss and you're sending an email (laughs) and you're like, oh, you are a total boss and you actually put boss. Well, she's going to think you said bitch because that's what this tool does. So there, there has to be a way that is, that is a great point (laughs) to see because that's one you could have. And then the other side of that is you could have somebody that's just like, again, female boss and just be like, oh, you're a total fucking bitch. But that comes through in the email as you're a total fucking boss. And she's like, yeah, I am. I now I want to start calling people a boss. (laughs) Yes. Bring that word back and totally mess with Mozilla. Because, I mean, there were people I've used. I mean, there's a few guys that I've known that when dealing with somebody, especially in the construction industry, if they're dealing with somebody where they really don't know their name or forget their name, they'll be like, hey, boss. You know, I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> this is a really I, I, bad word to use now. So you're to- you're watering down. But, you know, the other thing is, this is how we lost terms like retard, which originally a mental retard, a mental retard, a mentally retard. That was a clinical word because they be, well, because they had used the word uh, imbecile or whatever they had before, right. which b- carried a bad connotation. So they said, well, you know, early on, uh, a mental patient was an imbecile, and that was a technical scientific term and then uh, a clinical medical term. And then it gathered a bad connotation. They said, well, this person is mentally retarded, which was supposed to be the the politically correct way of saying it. And now uh, that ter- this is how we lose words. Because they they're given away to oh this has a bad connotation we can't use it anymore they're going to destroy boss yeah and I don't understand why they're using boss rather than an obvious made up word which would be even funnier but at least you would know that was what was going on was that one of the bad terms was replaced you still don't see the bad term but instead of boss if you just use diseasable whatever and that shows up you know it was replaced you know what's going on. It gets what you want across, but it doesn't. But you're right. The fact that they're using boss, which we know about everybody going after the white male uh, patriarchy. Well, bosses are bad. We need to. You're right. I think there's something to this that the word boss was picked purposefully in order to dilute that word. 
I think you're, I mean, you're, you're ascribing a much more malice than I ever thought of when I was researching this. This could be, this could be really nefarious. Multiple steps too. this could be nefarious. I mean, screw these people over at Mozilla. Uh, I went ahead because uh, even more hilarious than the SJW language in in the extension was I went ahead and read 10 pages of comments on this thing reviews. There was, as one would expect with something like this, there was a mix of five star reviews, most of which had no comments and one star reviews, which were hilarious. Um, so I pulled some of them. Uh, oh, by the way, the, the other thing I didn't mention is that it doesn't just replace it in English. Oh, um, well, that's good. Cause it, otherwise it, also, it would be racist. It also replaces words in other languages. The, whatever the, the slang term for bitch is in, in French or German or something and replaces that with the German or French word for boss. Um, but, uh, you, you also, we got comments like I'm French and the word putane is 95% of the time, not used in a way to degrade a woman. Now I'm personally not French, so I don't know if that's true, but that was one of the comments. And it, it, it seems entirely plausible that somebody who creates something like this, especially if it was a joke, uh, and, and maybe if it was malicious is, is going to misstep across cultural boundaries and, and not really get it right when they try to apply it in in english we pretty much know uh bitch is used in this context and we'll use it here Uh, although um you know at the same time uh i just i just thought of uh uh a dog breeder talking about yeah my boss had a litter of puppies today (laughs) yeah i'll take a bitch (laughs) um another one uh you know, somebody said there were there were uh, Unicode issues where uh, there's there's apparently D E C O N N E where the the first E has the little tick mark above it. I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that decon decon, but apparently uh, that is a bad word in one of the European languages, German perhaps, and it didn't recognize when it was doing the search and replace it didn't recognize the unicode character there with the the tick mark above it and so it only replaced the c-o-n-n-e so it became like d-boss or something like that (laughs) which looks absolutely weird so they i mean these are bugs and if you're if you were doing this for real and you really wanted the internet to be like this, this is the kind of thing that you would send out to your internationalization team, which again tells me that these people put shit together like a joke. Right. It seems uh, that way. And they're like, <laughs> but here's oh, some other. Wait, now they're going to use it. Oh, geez. Now what? But they, yeah. even in the English language, things have various meanings. I mean, even in different parts of the United States. But if you're in the United States, in the UK, the term, I'm going to go out and grab a fag, totally different. Totally different. Yeah, but, that uh, might be assault in in some places. <laughs> yes, in, in some areas you're just poisoning your lungs with nicotine. Yeah, in others you're actually committing sexual I'm assault. Gonna, I'm gonna go set fire to a fag outside. Yes, it's legal. <laughs> it's, see, it's legal in the UK. It's okay in the UK. Yes, people light fags on fire all day long in the UK. That's the and opener. There's right your there, cold I open. Yeah. <laughs> Take that out of context. Oh, that's yeah. That that needs to be pulled out. <laughs> Um, here's some of the other comments that I, I particularly liked. Uh, a lot of extensions and applications made by Mozilla are pretty useful. This is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. 
<laughs> this add-on could be excellent if it could replace or delete all swear words to protect my children, for example. But no, it changes this one word and has no options, no customizations, no effort at all to do something useful or make the internet a better, cleaner place. Which again is another thing, because this extension changes one word. It could be a general purpose. I want to the web to look like my you you know my garden of roses and and pretend that it's de- it. It could be like the, you know, the, the no agenda Gitmo filter that I talked about, which actually had customizable filters, but no, there's no configuration, no customization. That's valid feedback on something that probably was never intended to be, but, but there are people out there who really want, they're like, I really want the internet to be rewritten the way. And, and there, if Mozilla was really wanted to do something cool, they could do something configurable. Now, of course, people would abuse it. Right. Like, because uh, the first thing I would do is I would, you know, add a filter to change Mozilla to mozzarella or something. Well, right. On somebody else's Which, computer, you would you would add this and then oh, make yeah. the one word that always shows up in their emails or something. You would make a slight change to it and it would drive them nuts. Yeah. Uh, nice idea. But maybe a whitelist for websites about dogs would be good. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I made an account just to shit on this fucking add on. <laughs> Wow, that's uh, uh, that's dedication. If you need to change a word to make yourself feel strong and independent, you are neither. Which isn't, I mean, that, yeah. You, you I, know, the reality is trying to censor a word never works. We tried it years ago at the beginning of this internet experiment. We try it over and over and over again throughout history. Yeah, on message boards where, oh yeah, we can change this to this. And then you realize that people, once they know it's being censored, We'll add a space between each of the letters or a dash yeah. or whatever. And there's no way to know what. So, yeah, you try to censor you. People would use search and replace to try to censor shit. And then you end up with with, you know, butt mushrooms or right. uh, or or, uh, you know, they would change ass. And then suddenly you had a, a you know, the, the word classic became cobotic. Yes. It, or they, yeah, the letters just disappear and it's like it just yeah. doesn't work. Exactly. Uh, my, my favorite of all of the comments on it was a, uh, this was a two star review. Oh, well, so they liked it, it was, a little. It, it was a one word comment. Bitch. <laughs> so it didn't grab it there. <laughs> See, why wasn't it active on their web page? Well, because I didn't have the, I, I didn't have the plugin installed. Yeah, but their website could have had it automatically doing it to comments too. Uh, maybe they could have that. That would have, that, that would have been a new level. It was just a way to so, test it. So Mozilla has decided that they want to make the internet a more welcoming place by splitting it into two different internets with completely, you know, we, we've already had the problem where different factions have different sets of facts. Well, this is, this is a great way to literally get different information by rewriting websites to fit your biases on. I I think that it's hilarious. I think that it is really uh, inappropriate and kind of tone deaf for Mozilla to be putting this out. And I think it's highly inappropriate for them to put it on their recommended extensions list. Well, there's a certain amount of stupidity to it to think one that you can control this stuff. And there's less chat rooms around now, but you still see this where you're having different rooms for, you know, alleged for the safety especially think of the children and there's some of these big chat providers that are out there and it's like okay they've got the steamy adult room but then they have the teen room well where do you think the pedos are going do you think they're going oh it says a teen room i'll stay away from that 
I mean, well, obviously they're going to look for all the kids in the adult room who want to act like adults. Maybe, maybe it's, it's like, this isn't how you keep people safe. This isn't this concept. Like, well, by signing into this room, you will verify that you are either under this age or over the sure. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that's, yeah, that's, that helps. Because what every, every quote unquote 13 year old on Facebook knows exactly about that. And you, you know, it, by by clicking on you know it says by clicking on this you affirm that you are over 13 but what it really says and every 10 year old and 12 year old on facebook knows is by clicking this you get access to facebook and if you don't click this you don't get access that's what it says that's what it means everybody knows this see cold acid isn't woke he said the teen room is too old for the pedos and he's right but don't you know that's what you're calling anybody that likes a girl that's under 18 is a pedo in this We've talked about the teen room is where you find all the nine year olds who want to (laughs) act older. You're right. That's where the six and seven year olds are hanging out because they want to be teens. And then the the 13 to 14 year old girls are all in the adult. room. They all want to be adults. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just you. you, It's a it's a system cold acid. I know, math, which is is great because it's the adult pedos who are all in the the (laughs) three to four year old room. Right. That's uh, talking to each other, pretending. Yes. It's a very weird system. I don't even want to try to understand it, but this is where you that might be the best is, is when two pedos talk to each other, pretending to be little kids. Hey, what are you doing? I'm having a peanut butter sandwich. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Avoid. Just avoid the Internet, except for the show. Just avoid the Internet entirely because uh, bad things happen. And I did have a story. I thought this was interesting because it wasn't a concern when it comes to you getting any malware so that's good but on twitter a researcher disclosed a method that he was using when attaching images to posts which everybody knows you can attach images when you post something on twitter like all social media i didn't know that that. you know i mean you've seen them you don't post them but you're aware of this he found out that you could actually hide up to three megabytes of data of any sort inside a twitter image which is just sure i mean steganography is that what you're talking about here in a, yes in a way of the way that twitter does some of this stuff he showed both mp3 audio files and zip archives that were contained within png images posted on twitter so it's it's strange the researcher uh and his programmer's name is david buchanan he attached some uh, sample images to tweets to show how this worked and one had an entire zip archive, one had an MP3 file hidden within. So basically, if you downloaded the full resolution image and then changed the extension to MP3, it oh played. God. Yeah, it played. <laughs> or zip, yeah. and then the zip file yeah. was there, which because this wasn't something that was attacking people, I guess he has told Twitter about this in the past and they just blew him off. Because they said, well, that's not a big deal. And I'm thinking it's a huge deal for people like the, uh, you know, U.S. government who are trying to track people talking about things, you know, terrorist activity and that. Twitter's not the U.S. government, not yet at least. Well, I know. But I'm saying this is a concern for people trying to monitor this kind of stuff that you can hide either audio, video, whatever. As long as it's under three megabytes, which I understand will give you a i I mean fuck them oh i agree but the people who want to monitor my okay 
But the fact <laughs> I don't that know, a lot I mean, of this stuff could be hiding in plain sight, this does go you know, back to like the Cold there's, War There's stuff. another way to send messages to people on Twitter. It's called you just send the tweet. Right. But this who would see this? No. How would you monitor this? That's the interesting part about this is that people could be openly communicating with these images and it would go completely under the radar of everybody except those that knew it was there. So if you had a Twitter account and only one other person knew that the stuff you posted had things hidden in it, nobody else is ever going to download the PNG and change the extension to see if there's anything hidden in there. So this is kind of exciting stuff on one end. And it's also a bizarre throwback to like the cold war, where if you want to get stuff out of, you know, images out of, uh, or messages out of rather China or Iran or something like that, you could probably use a Twitter and just make it look like you're posting just a regular picture that you took or whatever. It's an interesting technology. And the fact that Twitter's not worried about it is, is kind of intriguing. I, I don't see why Twitter would care too much. I mean, they already allow pictures. You, you, you know, you, we saw this starting when uh, the, the first few people started to realize that you could get around the 140 character limit by taking the text that you want to post and just putting it into an image. And you know, so people would share an image which has a wall of freaking text in it because it, it might be a thousand words, but it's one picture. Uh, and, the the idea of of using steganography to hide messages inside of other messages goes way way before the internet. The you know it wasn't even the Cold War. It was like uh like 13th century when people would uh would encode a message that uh had some kind of you know, use uh, a cipher code or or uh, uh you know read only the first letter of each sentence or something like that so that when you hand a, a letter to a messenger who has to go past enemy lines. If that messenger gets caught, then the enemy doesn't know your secret plans to attack at dawn or something. This, this, none of this is new. The, the place where this is interesting still today though, is going to be in, in those regimes like uh, Uganda or uh, you know, what, what I didn't happen somewhere in India. We, we've talked about on grumpy old Ben's the stories of Twitter shutting people down on behest of their own government right. who want to uh, block an account or, you know, Twitter getting into all kinds of embroilments because uh, rather than having a blanket policy, they're picking and choosing which governments they want to allow censorship with. Um, this is where that becomes actually really useful. And, uh, you know, the uh, on the first level, you avoid a lot of the automatic uh, a text regex uh, censorship by just putting what you want into a photo, but then you know somebody reports it and some human looks at it and oh okay well then but right. this is where this is useful is if if you are uh, trying to overthrow your government because it's a banana republic run by a tin pot dictator who has surrounded his fortress with the troops from the national guard and. I'm I'm not actually trying to talk about America here, although that seems to be happening. But if you're that, that's where it's still useful. And I guess I'm still for it just because I'm generally in favor of tin pot dictators getting their comeuppance. Well, the other issue where they said could affect normal folks, businesses, is the fact that almost no business is going to be blocking at a domain level 
the domain that Twitter uses for images. The uh, pbs.twimg.com. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. But they said this could be a way for malware to be delivered extra instruction. And that makes sense because yeah, if it's on an uh, open Twitter feed. But easy. who's going to click on an image and somehow end, end up getting malware? It feels like. It, no, I'm saying, but if you already uh, have malware, this could be a way to get that malware. If you've already got the malware oh, okay. on somebody's system. Because with all steganography, you have to A, know that the message is there and correct. B, know how to decode it. But if, you're, if your malware is looking at a few different Twitter accounts waiting for any images that are posted, and it's just going to the Twitter URL, which nobody's going to notice because there's isn't always, the solution to that to not get malware? I think, yes, it is. But people do because they go in because they use Twitter. Well, because they use a variety <laughs> of sites. I mean, yes. I, it's, I remember the halcyon days of use youth when it was, oh, nude photos of Anna Kornikova. Click here. And then you got the uh, tornado going on, on your system. Yeah, still worth it. Well, yeah, I mean, there were, I mean, the payload is the payload, I suppose. But I thought this was interesting just from the aspect of being able to put things in there that, I mean, and talk about hiding stuff in plain sight. I don't know what the best use for this would be. And eventually maybe they'll figure this out and just purge the system of everything that has, uh, that has taken advantage of this. But it does seem like an interesting way to, communicate completely off the radar and people are trying to do that i I did notice uh i've been using talks nobody else does so it's really nice i which uh, makes it really secure it is i i set it up on the wife's phone and this is how we've been texting back and forth for the last few weeks and i know i did a whole episode of talks information on random thoughts r-a-n-d-u-m-b thoughts.com and i know we talked about it here and a bunch of people friended me there and they're all gone because obviously nobody wanted to use talks, but using it instead of SMS has been awesome. And, you know, nobody is reading in the interim. Nobody's intercepting so, the messages. Aside from end to end encryption, which is a good valid selling point. Uh, what does talks give you over something like SMS? Like like for for me and, and my wife, who uh, everything that we say is completely public anyway. In fact, we're shouting it across the neighborhood all the time. Uh, what, what, what else, what, what does talks give you other than it's private? It is the ultimate in privacy. That's what it is. Although I was really interested because I didn't have malware bytes on this new system yet. I'm like, I'll run a malware bytes scan. I haven't done that in a while. And it was all of a sudden pinging that talks was bad. And it's like, Oh, why? I don't really understand it unless they're against privacy. I mean, they, because privacy is bad. Yeah. Because they pretend. They want to protect you from that on malware bytes, but maybe it's just again nobody's using it. Um, uh, and if, if just for for completeness, for anybody who wants to get in on this, what client do you recommend? Because I know Tox is a protocol, not necessarily an app, which uh, appeals to me for sure. It means it's not controlled by just one company, right? For the desktop, I like QTox, and I don't remember the name of the one that I put on the wife's phone. It was the one truck driver, our buddy recommended that he was using for a while and it works and it's easy for her to use it's easy once it's hooked up that it just plain works it's all decentralized so there's no mothership in between it's all just seemingly works which is a rarity and it's very similar i mean people i know like things like what's it signal and uh 
There's another one similar to that. You know, Telegram, I think, is another one. I mean, these are all fairly similar things, but this is completely open source. No mothership in between. And rather than giving the data to your cell phone company or to Google through Google Voice, which is just an easy thing to do. I've used Google Voice for texting for almost everything over the last few years. And it's nice to just get off of that off of that train and not keep giving them data. I, I, I can respect that. Google has enough of your data and Google is, you know, the funny thing is a lot of people are like, yeah, so what if Google has my data? Cause if you think about it, what, what exactly can they do to you? And the, <laughs> at the first order, what they can do is make billions of dollars on your data and everyone. And, and I, well, the the last stat that I saw, and it was a uh, you know a while ago, but uh, that uh, was Google was making approximately uh, like thirteen dollars a day per person. That's crazy. Based based on collecting your data. Now that's a okay. You know, thirteen dollars. That's like two coffees around here. But at the same time, like Google is taking that money and making it from you. Uh, what if Google was giving you that money? That would be value for value. Yeah, and I would understand why people would opt into that. If you're really in the mindset of, yeah, I don't care, do whatever you want with my data. If Google came to you and said, you know, hey, what, we're going to scrape everything you do through our services. And depending upon how much you do, because otherwise, you know, there's a varying amounts of degree they can sell it for. But if they were going to cut you in for a percentage, then it was decent. Yeah, where Yeah, if Google were paying you a percent of that $13. I think a lot of people would be a lot more cool with Google. Yeah. At the end of every month, if you just got three bucks a day, if you got like $120 at the end of every month from Google, like, thank you for letting us use your data. People would be like, hell yeah. Yeah. I, I probably would stand a chance of opting. Now I'd probably opt in with fake data, but yes. as long as the, I mean, where they can send you the money was legit. That's all you care about. Oh, yeah. It'll be the PO box. Yeah. Use my Ethereum account. That's what you want to send I mean, that, it to. What, what, you, what we just described. That's value for value. Yes. You give them something, they give you something back. And even though it's. uh, But it's also worth noting that, you know, what what's the worst that could happen? Well, the worst that could happen with giving up all of your data is pretty freaking bad. Uh, It it involves uh, any large, extremely powerful organization. And in this, of course, I include the government. Uh, who decides for whatever political whim or reason that you need to be retaliated against. It gives them a lot of weapons in order to do that. And people are like, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. Well, that, that you might not be doing anything wrong, but as soon as say uh, the next administration comes in and decides that everybody of say your skin color, now must have a tattoo that shows, you know, your order of line to go into the gas chambers or something. Right. Uh, yeah, there, there are people out there and I'm, 
you don't have to believe that all Democrats are evil, even though they are. You could believe that all Republicans are evil and the next Trump comes in and is going to do that. It doesn't matter. Someone is going to come in and their political whims will be end up being something you don't like. And you are giving them the means. And it doesn't have to be a government because you know no. what? Google and Twitter and Facebook, they're governments right now. They are that big. They are stomping governments. Twitter went out and blocked and, and banned the leader of the most powerful government on the planet, or at least the one with the biggest military anyway, because they think that they're above governments. So it's not just a government you should fear. These companies, if, if for any reason they decide to notice you, and decide that, uh, oh, well, you know, for whatever excuse, you could be canceled. And it doesn't have to be something you did. It could be something that they did. It could be something someone else did. It's, it could be some Karen walking down the street who didn't like your hair color that day. It could be straight up an honest mistake. But you're so insignificant to these companies, they don't care. Well, yeah, we're right back to the girl that posted about her Asian TA when she was in high school or college and lost a job a decade later because of it that's it's, it's happening so this is why you don't want people to have your data of any sort because it's eventually going to be used against you even though you're like i've never said anything wrong in my life well you have well you, you may, maybe it wasn't wrong when you said it that's the changing goalpost it, it, it will be later i mean speaking of twitter too they're going to war with russia which i find interesting because when trump threatened twitter you knew nothing was going to happen because there were enough people in the United States government who, because he has some integrity and believes in the rule of law. What? Yeah, kind of where Russia, on the other hand, I mean, you mess with Putin, man. I think there's a whole another thing that's going to start. Happening. Yeah, he's he's a you know, Trump. There, there's a lot of talk. Trump had ties to the the New York mob. And I I believe that. But um, I, I don't think that that he was going to get that involved when he was president. Putin, on the other hand, I feel like, uh, you know, he uh, Russia is way more democratic than America. And I think Putin is a hell of a lot more uh, honorable than the person sitting in the White House right now and quite possibly than the one who was in the White House previously. But I tell you what, you get on his bad side. And and I believe that in, in all of the horror Cold War horror stories that he would be able to visit. Yeah, he is uh, at least mentally competent, which puts him ahead of the uh, current president of the United States, I believe. Uh, this article from Torrent Freak says the Russian government takes the issue of so-called prohibited content extremely seriously. This week, Russian authorities warned if Twitter fails to remove what it describes as prohibited content, the social network could find itself blocked in the country within a month's time and anticipating the fallout including Russian users attempting to bypass the ban, a government minister has warned blocking VPNs will be the next step. So, oh, oh okay, that's stepping over the line right there. But this is this is this is real stuff. 1984. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we've we've done this story three times on this show already. But the, the thing that makes it notable is that Russia is definitely the big biggest one. So far, I, in, yes. Yeah, well, when uh, when Uganda goes out and decides to block all of Twitter, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, some small company or country out there who cares? Um, Russia is something that, that they'll have to notice. It says the Russian uh, spokesperson said over thirty one hundred takedown demands have gone unchecked, including those targeting tweets 
that encourage suicide, contain child pornography, or supply information about illegal drugs. And as we've talked about in the past, running a worldwide service where you try to comply with every local law, never going to happen. And when you you give, you know, uh, drugs to those child pornographers and uh, wait, not going to happen. Yeah, it's tough. I, I, I disagree with pretty much everybody who decides that they want to censor content in any way. And therefore, I think that the idea that Russian has content where they say you're not allowed to do this uh, is it, I mean, it's government censorship and it's wrong. At the same time, uh, you live by the sword, die by the sword. And if Twitter is going to be engaging in censorship like this, then uh, of course I'm going to cheer on somebody who comes out and's like, well, then uh, we're, you know, we're going to do the same thing to you. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is a real issue when, again, you're dealing with a service that works over borders. Because if you have a country that says, well, the word bitch is very offensive. And you cannot allow any post that says that to remain. Well, what do you do? <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, it's not an easy thing to police, and the technology that would be needed to even attempt to do things where every I mean, here in the United States, it's even more convoluted because every state has different laws when it comes to certain stuff. And there was uh, there was something on oh I. I read the other day. I don't remember what law it was, but it was only like in California. And the, the company was like, you need to have that in, in at least like five states before we can start making this a default and trying to worry about blocking. I mean, can you imagine Cal- uh, California is like five states, but yeah, <laughs> you know, but can you imagine that? Like, well, you know, in these five states, this is illegal to do on social media, but it's legal to do everywhere else. So how do you how do you deal with that? I don't know. Well, you, you if you're going to be a, a jar, large multinational company, then you have to hire people to deal with that. I, I, I I've heard lots of, yeah, there's been no lots of lobbying deal with it. That's the, I think that's the problem when, and therefore maybe we shouldn't be trying to filter things based on geographical lines. Well, of course not because it's idiotic, but that's what everybody keeps trying to do. Uh, I, I disapprove. The there was a story too. I should have grabbed it. I don't remember which site I saw this on, but it was about was it Clearview, the name of that company that was doing all of the scraping of the facial recognition data that uh, I know. Like I don't, Illinois, I don't remember the name. Illinois made it illegal. Uh, yeah, okay, it was Clearview AI, and there was a story about one of the things how they caught a guy, and this was the a case of child abuse that there was a photograph of this guy that you could you know kind of see him in the picture with the kid and they were trying to run facial recognition to figure out who the guy was authorities were trying to do this and they were not having any luck and this clearview ai thing came out this company that was offering their services and they ran the guy's name through that and a photo came up and the guy they were looking for was not asian i mean so just that we go back to the story with the uh the teen vogue editor now this came out with a photo that showed a positive result 
and the investigators are looking at this and it was like a picture of an Asian guy and woman that were standing in a photo and they're like, well, that's not him. And then they look in the background, like way off in the background. This was at a trade show behind the booth at one of these trade shows. That was the hit. They're like, and the photo we were looking at, it was about the size of, you know, a fingernail that the thing picked up, grabbed a hit on. They tracked the guy down. That was step number one. They found his social media. That was step number two. And then they were able to find a photo of him in the very same room that the original photo was from. And they nabbed him because of this technology. But it was because of the fact that he showed up at a trade show in a picture behind somebody that normal technology would have never gone and been able to pull him out of there. So this is a case where the technology was used to nail somebody that was a very bad person. At the same time, the way they got the information was a massive privacy concern for anybody who has photos on social media. And this, again, we go down that slope of, well, I'm not doing anything wrong, so why should I worry about that? And there are states now, including Illinois, that it's illegal if people don't opt in to have their photographs used in this particular, uh, this Clearview AI thing, you know, in this digital scraping. So it's a really hard case to try to figure out who's the real winner here, because it's a really good thing that they nailed a child predator using this technology, but they did it using technology that is infringing upon the privacy of millions of people. See, I knew I knew there's there's lots of states that make it illegal to uh, uh, record someone's voice, but I without no, them knowing. But I didn't realize there was anywhere that you couldn't take a picture of somebody yeah, or in even public use, to use it. It's not to take a photo, but to run facial recognition on that photo. Is, is this a result of a new law or an yes, old relatively? Law? Yeah, relatively okay. new. There have been new laws, for example, Portland, where they say you're not allowed anymore to do any facial recognition ever under any circumstances. This is kind of Illinois, right? And unless people, if they opt in, you can opt into this. But this is a case where, I mean, great result. This is exactly what you want. But the the way to get there, it's like, oh, the guy was in the background of a photo, barely noticeable. And the thing tagged him. And because they could, they couldn't recognize anything about him from that video but they could see the name of the company on the booth so they contacted them like well who was working for you at this time they found the guy that's how they tracked this guy down and it's well that that's called law enforcement and i'm fine with that the the only thing that weird about this whole thing is the facial recognition part and i i I, well this is kind of like your dna when you're you know when your relatives give dna and then you commit a crime and it's like well we we've the only reason we had your DNA is because we had this and it, it's creepy as hell. And I don't want to do it. I, 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 it, it's a tough call because on the one hand, uh, I, I definitely favor privacy, but on the other hand, um, they, you're right. That feels really invasive. Yes. That any photograph that was ever been taken of that they can track you down 
that you were just in the background at some event and there's been a lot of event. I mean, this the whole Capitol riots thing. Say you were just going and you were just protesting. You never walked into the building, but you were caught in an exterior shot, you know, next to somebody that did. Well, all of a sudden you're on a different list. And it's not I mean, it's not good, but I think this is where we're going now that there are cameras every damn place. I think we talked about um, here on the show not too long ago that the fact that my local little town here in Illinois sent out a thing like, hey, we just put up X amount of new cameras on the the lights. So we're license plate cameras. So we can track if there's an Amber Alert. We'll know. It's like, yeah, but you're you're giving up so much. You know the. If I may be allowed to go into a little bit of a rant and and make a suggestion that it's definitely not going to be as as popular, um, dilemmas like this where you have uh, uh, okay on on the one hand uh, this person's breaking the law and on the other hand this other law is creepy as hell and both of them are bad but they're intention against each other. Um, I, my my default whenever I I hear about uh, some set of laws resulting in uh, a contradiction where you've got two evil things in tension. Um, the solution to me is always, well, then in that case, what we need to have is fewer draconian laws about things. Uh, I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't think that I'm going to go so far as to push for the abolishment of, of laws preventing, you know, blocking child porn, but uh, it, 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 there's, I just feel like any time that you have way too many laws, you're always going to get places where you can create a paradox of of this happened and this happened and these are both bad. Yes, I, I mean understanding that we want the bad people caught and punished, but at the same time, you don't want to infringe on everybody's rights in order to punish one person. Yeah, and and if if you change this up, for example, from. Uh, uh okay well it, it, a child molester you you generally i think most sane people can generally agree that child molesting is bad okay so let's not make that the crime what if instead the crime is is like you said the person happened to be on the capitol steps on january 6th and uh then it, it, some we used facial recognition to find them and create a giant dragnet that ended up you know, stomping on everyone's rights. Well, the, the solution to that would, should be that it should not be illegal to be on the steps on January 6th. Now, maybe it should be illegal to, to break into this sacred house that is, belongs to the people in name only and otherwise belongs to the elites. Uh, but just standing there should never be a crime. And if facial recognition causes standing around anywhere to be a crime, then you you've got a bad law on your hand. Fletcher says, put on a ski mask and shoot out the cameras. That's well, uh, good advice, I guess. Except that, <laughs> that we've now got facial recognition that's starting to work through masks. And we have facial recognition in every device that people are carrying. That is, it's one thing when it was just surveillance video. Yeah, but let me tell you, the facial recognition on my device sucks. Well, they all do just because your face is it broke the camera. You can't tell the difference between me and my cat. Well, you're both alive at this point anyway. So you never know. But that's not a bad. I mean, I wouldn't recommend doing that because uh, I mean, but if you wear a ski mask and then a mask over that, then you're probably not going to be recognized. 
unless you leave the ski mask and mask on when you go do other things. It could be. You're, you just you just made me think of uh, um, the there was one Black Mirror episode where somebody got uh, uh, canceled or blocked or whatever. But instead of being blocked from a social media account, they were blocked from society. And everybody had like ocular implants that uh, once somebody was blocked, then their implant would just blur the person out. So you couldn't even see them. Oh, and genius. I did no, it was it was probably one of the most frightening things I've ever seen on a show. Then Carolyn Blaney says like a face off situation, a mask of Nicolas Cage that has a mask of John Travolta. That's another great idea. Wear a mask of somebody you don't like and then go out and do bad things. Facial I, recognition. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, hey, Nick Cage is awesome. And anybody wearing a Nick Cage mask needs to be commended. We are all Nick Cage. Or no, are we all Nick the Rat? I don't know. But we do have some experts to thank for today's show. Nick, Nick the Rat is Nick Cage. That's his secret identity. Wow. Wow. Nick the Rat is Nicholas. That's why he does the In voice. Fact, his, his, his full name is Nick the Cage Rat. And he is such a good actor. He could, he could pull off that voice, too. So oh, now that makes sense. And that's why he always wears like the sunglasses and the ears. Wow. That's I'm, I'm going to have to just take yeah, a moment just, to recover from that. It's his human disguise. The expert coming in, though, as our executive producer today, Sir Donald of the Fire Bottles, Count of Eastern Washington. Now, are you Count of Western Washington now? Or, uh, you- I, you know, er, okay. So early on, I ended up becoming Baron of all of Washington because the nobody the else area, wanted it. Yeah, well, th- that was it. I mean, I was I was one of the earliest people to get a protectorate and. Uh, so it totally made sense. I was like, well, nobody else is taking it. I took all of, and then he came out of nowhere and became way more generous to the show than I was and made count far earlier. But in his benevolence, uh, Sir Donald only took Eastern Washington. And so by default, I was totally okay with, okay, then I'll just take Western Washington. Although uh, I remember in my original, the the very first time that I got a protectorate, my note was actually uh, Washington or it was, it was Puget sound minus the people's Republic of Seattle. <laughs> well, see, yeah, nobody wants Seattle. That's what because I'm nobody wants that. He only wanted Eastern Washington. He's like, no, anything. Yeah. West and then that makes sense. Eastern Washington is definitely the sane half of the state. So that, that um, would yeah, make sense. He, he's definitely a good guy. He sent in a note. Never, never given me any crap for the fact that he got promoted to count long before I did. Um, and is, you know, not we're we're we have a, an agreement. We're sharing. There's a mountain range in the middle. We're good. Well, the mountain range is what keeps the territories. But he uh, sends in his note on the United Federation of Planets letterhead. And he said, great shows as always. Even the ones without Bemrose. <laughs> so uh, oh, them's fighting words. <laughs> Maybe I don't like him anymore. <laughs> like Sir Donald, we uh, we appreciate that. And uh, he sent in one, two, three dot four five, but two thirds was for Grumpy Old Ben's and one third was for Random Thoughts. And I appreciate that. So the Grumpy Old Ben's part came to eighty two thirty. I can do simple math. I mean, I, yeah, you the calculator, but you're, um, you're ahead of most people. If you can do that, that's true. That is absolutely true. But Sir Donald, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you supporting the show. And I think we did a couple of good shows when Ryan was out. Thanks to Sir Seat Sitter and Boobery and to Sir Gene, who I think is still, I mean, I disconnected that, but I think he's still talking. 
I, I don't know. Somebody should check on Sergi and he might still be going, but we appreciate well, he, it. Yeah. Cause every once in a while he hits record and that ends up becoming his own podcast, which is actually worth listening to. Cause the guy has a lot of interesting stuff to say. It's just, I'm, he has a lot of stuff to say. And he understands he talks a lot. So he says, Romney at 1.25 speed and get it really fast. So that way you can get more in. Yes. Coming in with $25 today, Herb Lamb, who is uh, an expert from before, too. I recognize that name. And he wants to know, how do you become a knight on this show? Well, you can become a guru on this show. I mean, we basically stole the uh, the pure concept from No Agenda with the amounts, which I know we both kind of thought was idiotic when we first started the show. Almost two years ago, we're coming up. On our two-year anniversary here on Grumpy Old Ben's. And so we decided, well, we can't call it a night, but we'll make it a guru. But when will somebody hit $1,000? And that answered that answer has already come to us in the guise of somebody called uh, Mythos or Baron Walkman. No, he's a, he's a Duke Walkman now over there and no agenda. But our buddy Jay Finley is now guru Walkman of Buckeye. He was the first one to hit it here on the show but it is like no agenda once you hit a thousand dollars you are a guru once you make any donation you are no longer a douchebag you instead of a script kitty you become an expert and yes. the, the list of experts is growing and that's important because that's also something you can use anywhere you're an expert at whatever you want to be you have been just anointed and and, and that is a legit credit uh, you are every bit the expert as any of the people cited as experts on the mainstream media, but more importantly, as a contributor to the Grumpy Old Men's show, you have actual information as well. Yes, we do give you actual information. He says, you guys have become my replacement for Limbaugh a couple of days a week. And Herb, that is. Those are some big shoes to fill. Yeah. A big microphone to fill. And I, well, know, I don't know what foot size he has. <laughs> he was. uh the the voice of a of a generation. There's no question about it. I know Dan Bongino is stepping in on a lot of the stations into that time slot, and I wish him well. I mean, he seems like an, a good guy, but that is uh, there's a big shadow of Limbaugh, and I think Rush would want this whole conservative radio. I know he would conservative radio to go, and we're not really conservative here i know we probably lean on that libertarian thing a little bit more but it's you need to hear both sides of any issue in order to understand it and this is the problem we have mostly with all of this woke stuff that's going on is that it's targeting pretty much one point of view and once you silence one point of view the next step is not good for anybody even if you think you're in lockstep with what the people are pushing when it becomes you can't say a dissenting thing. This is the problem with when you talk about diversity and it's like it's only the color of your skin or your your sexual organs, you know, your gender that we want diversity. And the minute you start thinking differently, I mean, you look at what they do to somebody like Candace Owens and you go, yeah, they're not about being black. They're not about uplifting women. If you're a black woman and you say things they don't like, they will attack you just as hard as they will attack anybody else. So understand this is about ideology, not about and, race. And, and and it's not just one point of view that's being attacked. It's every point of view that doesn't agree with their ideology. But the thing is, uh, there 
in in America, at least we are so politically divided that everybody has to jump into their camps. And the the people who are happen to be in the same camp as the wokists are keeping quiet and just going along with, you know, because not every Democrat is is, a, a you know, foaming at the mouth, uh, anti white uh you know, no, bigot. not even all of them that are in office. Some of them are actually no, the, starting to stand up and, and the vast majority of them are perfectly sane people, but they're not speaking out because, well, those people on our side and we still have to support them, which is a terrible position to take because, uh, you know, suppose what happens if the wokists do manage to destroy everybody on the Republican half of the country. I mean, if, if they cancel them, if they manage to get them all into the boxcars, I don't know what it is they do, but what do you suppose would happen then? Would they stop? Would they just be, Oh, we're all happy now. No, of course they would turn on everybody else who is not in their camp and their camp can shrink as far as it needs to go until they, you know, they have no one else to cancel. Well, that is so, the problem. They need it, an enemy. Yeah, and it it makes sense. Like, I it, it first of all, it does make sense to say, well, they're you know they're only attacking conservatives, and I'm not a conservative, so they, we should you know I'm fine with it. Except that you shouldn't be fine with it because the moment that all the conservatives are canceled, if that ever happens, they're going to turn on you. This is not good people. No, this is well, well. Trump was obviously the draw. Just go check out the news numbers as far as people watching. And they're down big time, like 50% or more over just, you know, December and January. People are no longer interested in what they're saying, which is good. That's a healthy thing. So maybe that's the one good thing about not having Trump in office anymore is that the crazy people on both sides are no longer being fed any of this propaganda. They're just tuning out. And the more well, until, out, the, until the next person comes up, that is both the cult of personality and uh, ascribes to the well, I mean, let's Trump was not a conservative. Let's call him what he was. He was a populist and uh, the the aristocracy of the elite class in America had become emboldened enough that uh, populism became pretty popular when people look and go, well, how come uh, I'm being forced out of my job and, and all my businesses shutting down and I can't leave my house. And yet uh, all of these politicians are going off to Cancun for a vacation. This isn't right. A lot of people are thinking that and you, you know, Populism is is the reaction to an elite class becoming too brazen with lording their power over the proletariat. And we are in a populist wave, no matter how much the Davos Globals want it to be. Well, yes, not to be. They want you to to get into lockstep, but that's going to be a little harder in some countries than others. And that is the country that have freedom. And and, uh, you know, on the on the topic of, of freedom of speech and the reason why the wokists are objectively wrong is it, it is as true today as it was in 1780, which is I may not agree with what you say, but I will fight to the last to support your ability to say it. Amen. And that is, that is the only way to have, you know, to have freedom, which is, is of course the thing that the libertarians care about. Uh, but you also cannot get equality without that. 
And a lot of people don't really understand that because critical thinking is out the window, but you can't have equality. You can't, you know, you can't have equity without equality, even though I don't think we should have equity, but you can't have equality and you cannot have any kind of, uh, you know, the, the concept of fairness, which is the driving force in all of these emotional arguments from the left. You can't have that without the ability to speak your mind. It is a prerequisite for any kind of human freedom, whether that freedom be the ability to own property or do what you want, or just the ability to be exactly the same as your neighbor. Yeah. And there was a town here in the Chicago area that just passed a resolution to give the, the residents that were black, like $25,000. And if they owned a home was however they were dispersing this. And, you know, most of the, People in the country will look at that and think that's absolutely insane because it is. But the people involved here turned around and said, that's not enough. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? And of course, the recipients of the homes are going to look at this and be like, well, I don't want to live there, but I will totally turn around and flip that house for 50,000. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. This adds a whole nother concept of taking that and, uh, and using it for, you know, for a fair way. Everybody just needs, it all needs to be fair. And I can tell you, as the story I told about the Irish coming to America over on Random Thoughts this week, the Irish coming to America in the 1850s and 60s were treated really, really poorly. So if anybody's going to be standing in line for handouts because their, oh, yeah. their ancestors were treated unfairly, uh, it's not just the black people. It's the Irish. And, it's and- the Chinese. It's uh, There's a whole bunch. If anybody wants to hear a story about how a group that is generally considered to be just as white as any other European today were the absolute scum of the earth and stomped on minority who were hated everywhere for more than a century in America, go listen to the latest random thoughts to come out on St. Patty's Day. Oh, St. Patrick's Day. Yes. The I love the movie, The Commitments which was about a bunch of Irish kids that were playing soul music. This came out like when I was in high school, so probably 1988, 89, 90, somewhere in there, like right around that time. And I remember one of the lines in there was, you know, say it loud, say it, you know, I'm black and I'm proud because that was the concept. The Irish are pretty much the blacks of Europe at that particular time. And uh, a case can be made for that. So for anybody to think they have, a um a, a lock on being the one group of people that's been mistreated no yeah there's others and yeah. it's it's one of the characteristics of human history is that uh for as long as there have been humans there has been one group of humans who wants to be totally shitty to another group of humans and uh you know i'm i'm sorry to say this but uh blacks in america are not the only ones who have ever been oppressed throughout history no, that is true. And, and speaking of the Irish coming in at twenty five dollars today, Sean McCune. I mean, there's no no, but he has to be Irish. Sean McCune. Is it? Is that an Irish name? Uh, you know, uh, you were you were talking about the, all the people who are Irish on your random thoughts episode. And I was like, I didn't I had no idea that was even an Irish name. Well, there's a lot. You know, again, you get this whole melting pot in America. The fact that Barack Obama tracked ancestors just a couple generations before to Ireland. It's yeah shows it's like well, it's he, he has a bunch of irish ancestors from kenya <laughs> they was it they went from uh, ireland to kenya and then 
Yeah, That's the only thing I can come up with. It's hard to say. I mean, they did. Everybody was like, ah, Donald Trump. He doesn't have, you know, he says he's Irish, but he's not. So they did a DNA thing on him, which I mean, I guess uh, again, the, the doing the DNA th- stuff is stupid. I hate it, but they tracked a you know lineage down to a small little town in Ireland. So that was, that was kind of cool that uh, they tracked that down. It's like most of the most recent presidents here, Clinton, has Irish ancestors, Reagan, of course, Irish ancestors, John F. Kennedy, and the last, well, Biden, Irish, he, they, they actually had a thing when he was in Ireland with Obama, where somebody asked a question, he's like, who are you from? And the guy said, BBC, and he's like, I don't talk to the BBC, I'm Irish. <laughs> it's like, oh, damn, uh, there is uh, there is some of that. Uh, if you, if you well, want to know, not talking to the BBC is, is just good policy yes, it regardless is. of your reason but. it is that i mean the I, I mean i don't know if a lot of people even understand that in america the problems between the irish and the brits which have been going up still going on now but was really raging still in our lifetimes in the 70s and 80s and early 90s that uh, i don't think a lot of people outside of that even know those stories and they're interesting to look at when you want to see, like, why does everybody want to come to the United States? Why? Well, because we're the best damn country out there. That's why. And so, so to keep breaking this country down, like we're so horrible, it's like, well, then why are these millions of people trying to come in? I mean, well, if, we're getting there. Yeah. We're, well, we're trying to get it. So people don't want to come in. But yeah, I mean, you, you want to solve the immigration crisis. All you need to do is make the country even more shitty than the place they came from. People will stop wanting to come in. Yes, we'll start going. Problem there. solved. Yeah, I think I'd rather live in some place, you know, like I don't uh, think I like that solution. Yeah, but no, probably not. But uh, rounding out the day, our buddies, truck driver and Rayford Bacon, the third two guys that are on monthly subscriptions. And we greatly appreciate your support, guys. And everybody that listens to this crazy little podcast that we do live on Mondays and Fridays on the mighty No Agenda Stream, noagendastream.com, where you want to be in the troll room so you could tell us why we're wrong. 87 people right now listening on the stream and way more in the troll room, I'm sure, telling Bemrose he's wrong about something. It doesn't even have to be what he's talking about now. Never happened. And if you want to take part in the value for value model, the easiest thing to do is go to grumpyoldbeds.com. You can click on the donate button and use the PayPal thing for a one-time or monthly donation. You can use the QR code or the Bitcoin address for the Bitcoin thing. CSP says, use Bitcoin. He's been telling Adam Curry that he should take Bitcoin payments. And he, he, he said he gave them the link, uh, gave Adam the link to our show because that's, that's, that's going to be the epiphany that the great podfather needs is that these idiots are taking Bitcoin. <laughs> but you know it I, I works do, I, you know what if 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 somebody else can learn from something that we've said then i i i guess then we we fulfilled our mission yes and we also have the p.o box address where you can send in a check or whatever and that is what uh, sir donald of the fire bottles and truck driver did today it's a lot more popular now and we appreciate that because as we've mentioned in the past when you use stuff like PayPal and Patreon and all of that, Bitcoin, even there's a percentage that's the VIG that goes to the person, the place processing the payment. If you send in a check, every penny goes to the show, cuts out the middleman, and it's a beautiful system. So we appreciate everybody for all the support, for listening, for sending in, for trolling along. Uh, it, it's all helpful into making this the show that it is. 
And I like that Sir Donald really liked the shows without Bemrose. So there's there's a fight going on in Washington. <laughs> I you know what? I I'm not going to disagree that there are good shows. They, they, these were I mean they were good shows. They just weren't grumpy old Ben's. Right, they weren't grumpy enough. There was no, there was no. not enough anger in the show. No, and and that's what I bring is I I bring you bring the old and I bring the grumpy and we're both Ben's. So Copious that's that's how the show works. Of anger. So what else <laughs> do you got for us? I I don't have much else. Uh, for some reason, I wrote down uh, a story about uh, RNA vaccines, which could lead to the creation of prions. And uh, the the result is that this uh, these prions, which prion diseases are highly contagious and uh, alter your DNA and could ultimately result in the zombie apocalypse. Ooh. Uh, but. It's not a tech story. It's uh, what it is, is if if you are into writing science fiction, then this is a really great way to start one. Because uh, and, and there it does describe uh, I, I, I can include it in the notes, but it describes a way that um, these vaccines can uh, create prions by modifying the, you know, because because we don't understand the way the RNA is modified correctly. And if it does end up creating one. Uh, then, uh, prions are, are really, uh, they're, they're the reason why, uh, there was mad cow disease, their Crutzfield Jacob disease. It's, uh, um, they're bad news. And, um, this is the reason yeah. why we're still have to wear masks even after you're vaccinated. Cause we might've accidentally uh, maybe it. that's it. I, 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 I'm just suggesting out there that there is a theoretical possibility that everybody who got the RNA vaccine for COVID uh, is going to ultimately become part of the zombie apocalypse in two years when when the uh, when the CIA activates your genes or something. I don't know. Well, that's two years from now. Nobody should even worry. Yeah, we're about good. For that. Now. We're good until then. We're f- we're absolutely fine. I've got a few <laughs> stories and Monday is always a hard day for the big stories because nothing happens over the weekend so we can hit these on monday and it's all about broadband and uh, what is broadband and is should the u.s government be worried about making high-speed broadband available to all and what does that actually mean when it comes to funding and who's getting screwed and what do people really need to live you know with all this remote schooling and all this kind of stuff so we can hit that on monday because i think we have we have some pretty big opinions on that. I I have some pretty big opinions on everything, and I look forward to telling you all about it on Monday. Yeah. And there was a as far as another woke story we did have. It, this was mentioned in the troll room more than anything else over the last few days, which was the Canadian father who was arrested and charged for misgendering his daughter, which. Yeah. Oh, this was rage inducing. Rightfully so. And this is, again, a warning sign for people of what the government could do to mess up your individual life, because this is this is unfathomable that people will go this far. And we've both talked a lot about the transgender issue, and we're both on the same level, which is once you're an adult, 18 or older, and maybe it should be even a little older than 18, because kids are morons we were kids and we were morons at that point so we know the ability that children have in this case the girl is 14 years old which still a moron doesn't understand the big picture when a court is saying no 
she wants to do this, the parents can't. Well, the one parents all for it, I guess. But the father can't do anything about it. And if he keeps referring to her as a daughter or as a, you know, whatever, I'm I'm even misgendering yeah. now because uh, I, I don't remember which way. this I, was going I, I, it, it doesn't matter. We, no. We've done far worse on this show. That's true. That is true. So, yes, she's actually I, was born a female and wants to transition. So the, the these rules about uh, a, a misgendering and and trying to make it illegal is, uh, you know, the, the first time that I heard of it happened to also be the first time. Uh, it, it, it was a proposed Canadian law, which I guess, you know, this is in Canada. So congratulations. The yep. law is now has now fully mature and is now throwing off unintended consequences left and right. Maybe they're intended. Um, but this was the law that uh, turned Jordan Peterson into a uh, to make him known outside of his university because he was he was content to be a philosophy professor until the government of Canada started proposing this law. That said, uh, we will throw you in jail if you use the wrong pronoun. And he said, this is this is how you end up with the destruction of free speech, because you are you you have gone past uh, you've gone past affecting actions and are now compelling language, which is a, a kind of a, a slippery slope. You don't want to be down. But congratulations. You you know, my, my position on the the question of transgender is uh first of all if you're an adult do whatever it is that you want to do because that's right. uh it, go go be yourself whoever that is i don't really care it's not important to me in most cases right uh, you just the, want them we, to understand the consequences before doing we, we anything are, life altering yes and that is really important and that's why i use the phrase adult and it is unfortunate that once you've been through puberty, it becomes much more difficult to pass as the alternate sex, if that's really where you want to be, which I think is one of the reasons why people are getting children started. But right now, there are a lot of people out there who are using, oh, my kid is transgendered and I'm changing their gender as some kind of woke virtue signaling status symbol. Yep. Like, uh, you know, I, I got new drapes and I changed my daughter into a son. Yes, that's I'm, trendy well, right now. Isn't that great? I'm such a great yeah. parent. And that is that is child abuse. That is fucking horrible. That okay, you know, if if a kid is well, first of all, it, it is theoretically possible that a kid is is genuinely feels like they're in the wrong body and they realize this. Some children are mature early on, and it is theoretically possible that they realize from a very early age that they need to be uh, on the other side and uh, to the point where they choose not to be comfortable in their current role in society. But the probability of that is so incredibly remote compared to what is really happening today, where it is trendy and fashionable to be trans because it makes you woke and it it lets you virtue signal and it lets you slide into a coveted identity position where you suddenly your intersexual intersexual your intersectional cred goes way up because you you suddenly have a a a identity group that is oppressed and that of course is how as we know is how you get credit on the left as being part of some oppressed group and therefore the incentive and social pressure to make this decision is you know for yourself is is pretty high and then we have parents who are like well 
I, it's too late for me to change. But if my kid can be transgendered, then then I'll be able to go to my bridge club and brag about it. And all I'm saying is, if you are that parent, you are abusing your kid. Yeah. That is horrible. Kids don't know what they want. The father quote uh, said they've now created a delusion. This being the schools and the courts, and they're forcing parents like myself to live in the delusion. What happens when the bubble explodes and the delusion ends? Now the story quotes, and I don't well, know what, what happens 25 years from now when all of these kids who, or who got their gender reassignment because it was trendy have had an entire year or have had uh, half their life of, of getting shots and having to deal with the, the fact that they don't quite fit in because medical science is not quite at the point where we can really do that transition all the way. And there's going to be side effects. And I, the, 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 the level of regrets that are coming in the next couple of decades are immense. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing he said. What kind of father would I be if I'd, Let's uh, say in five or 10 years, my daughter is detransitioning when she comes to me and says, why did none of you do anything to stop this? I was a child and I don't know where the research came from, but this is an article on Breitbart that said there's an estimation that more than 80 percent of children with gender dysphoria will end up desisting from their belief that they are the opposite sex. Once puberty is over. So this is a very common thing. And if this is if this is anywhere even near accurate at 80 percent, if you let the child do something while in puberty, then there's an eight out of ten chance there's going to be regret. And and I don't know if it, if that number is is actually forty percent or eighty percent or ninety nine percent. And but, it's irrelevant, uh, right? There there are there are going to be some people uh, who transition and are perfectly happy and and the way they want to be uh, you know i i have a good friend who transitioned and she is quite happy in the position that she's in but for every one of those there is going to be somebody who was pressured into it by social pressures by uh asshole parents by some and right or you know if you're the and, kid and that realizes that they in. destroyed their life well yeah you're the kid that doesn't fit in and you're like oh i can do this and i'll be cool and everybody will like me and you don't realize the consequences that are going to happen down the road and yeah yeah i mean if you don't fit you know what nobody fits in that's a grand illusion of society today is if you're all identical then you're boring and you suck and then you're and uh, people, uh, human beings are hardwired to find patterns, which means that if somehow on this level, you find that you fit into your group, then you're going to recognize that there's some place that you're different from your other people, in the group. And then you're going to obsess about that. If, if it's not your gender, if it's not your skin color, then it'll be the, the length of your fingernails or uh, whether or not you get hair on your knuckles or, you know, there. There's a billion things that make all of us individual humans and trying to be the same as anybody else is like trying to make your identity the same as anyone else is self-destructive. And that's why identity and stereotyping is so horrible for the human psyche. We are different. No amount of, of ideology or brainwashing can make us feel like or be the same as everyone else so you know what i was different from all the other people in my high school and i just went with it and then i got angry and started a podcast and here we are 
What if you say everybody's different? And now why? all of you are copying me by getting angry and starting podcasts. But oh. how come uh, every mugshot from Antifa people all look like the same person, though, if everybody's different? Because they're trying too hard. Oh, that makes sense. And we don't. <laughs> That's the beauty of grumpy old Ben's. We're not trying too hard. And we'll be back on Monday to not try too hard one more time. We want to thank everybody in the troll room for coming along while we do these shows live. And we hope you're back with us on Monday. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where spring is in the air. And from America's left coast, where we are liking and subscribing like a boss. I'm Ryan Bemrose. I'm smashing that button. <laughs>